Hey everyone, it's Michael. Before we get started, want to remind you all to subscribe, like, and follow at Goalkeeper Podcast on all social medias, including YouTube, where fully edited vodcasts are housed with exclusive clips. Remember, the more followers we get, the more we can give back to the goalkeeping community. Let's all keep paying that knowledge forward and on with the show. Welcome to Inside the 18. I'm Michael Majid, live from Hollywood, California. After a lovely weekend of eating a lot of lobster tails, I ended up taking uh, somebody else's lobster tail at a 65th birthday dinner that I was at. Uh, so shout out uh, to my lovely stepmother, Alexis, uh, for allowing me to go down there and get some food, which was absolutely amazing. Uh, with me, you know her as 99 World Cup winner, Pac-12 champion, Saskia Weber! Had, had to give you that uh, that shout out right there. I love, I love the new title. Thank you. <laughs> well, hold on. Someone says playing music. Are we getting, are we playing music right now? Are we going to play music for her? How do I get a, I think Omar wanted to do that. I got to get him a, a participation me? screen. <laughs> I don't know. Someone just put that there. Me. That wasn't you? No. Somebody just did that. Oh my gosh, guys. That's as you know him, Pro GK Academy, Omar Zini, who I thought was trying to play music, uh, making his triumphant return, Colorado Rapids goalkeeper coach Chris Sharp Sharpie. Uh, welcome back. And joining us for the first time, uh, the one and only William Yarbrough, goalkeeper for the Colorado Rapids. Uh, well, this is this is awesome, man. I'm excited that we can finally get somebody who can share uh, all the uh, wonderful experiences he had playing in Liga Mekis with Omar, uh, who uh, failed to uh, make it to Liga Mekis. So, Mike, <laughs> you're so mean. Well, you know what? After after that pun that he dropped, I had to do something, right? Had to go into the roast. I honestly was just saying something about Chris's haircut. I like this haircut. I wasn't trying to be funny. I was just like, "This is haircut." Mike, <laughs> genuinely appreciate it. No, I've seen oh. I've seen all his different hairstyles, long hair, short hair, but looks good. Oh man. Well, well, uh, well, kind of before we get into today's topic, guys, we're actually going to be talking about effective goalkeeping today, uh, which is a topic that's kind of been trending uh, a lot out there in the social media boards. Um, some people out there might not kind of be familiar, uh, Will, with kind of your journey, you know, from Liga Mekis, you know, to Colorado. I know off air, we were talking a little bit about the fact that this is literally your first time living in the States and people looking at you would go, oh no, you're just making that up. Uh, but, but it's absolutely true, isn't it? A hundred percent, man. Uh, yeah, born and raised in Mexico. Um, my parents have been down there since the early 80s. So born and raised down there. That's where I started playing. And that's where I've been playing uh, my my entire career until March last year. So like what was kind of like, you know, again, like I said, before we get into this topic, I think it's fascinating just talking to you. What were kind of like, you know, for lack of a better term, like there's very different goalkeeper cultures, you know, when it comes to comes to Mexico and comes to the United States, was that kind of like a culture shock for you, especially like that first U S camp that you went to and all that? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think from a cultural standpoint, the, the, the goalkeeper in Mexico has more of that South American style. Um, I think, I think it's, it's definitely something that I noticed going to my first U.S. camp, uh, being up here for just a little over a year now, how how different things are. And, you know, it's something that I kind of wish that I had uh, seen earlier in the day and 
I mean, Sharpie's done an excellent job just of, of helping me recognize small things that are very helpful uh, to me as a keeper that in, in, in Mexico, at the end of the day, it's more of just do what you got to do uh, to avoid the ball going in. And I think that's a very uh, South American concept that we, that we have down there. And coming up here, it's a little more technical. And, you know, at, at the beginning, you don't understand it that much. But as, as you, I've always been open to learning and I love listening and I love uh, learning. I think every day is a good opportunity to, to learn something new. And for me, it's just kind of realizing that small technical changes in, in, in what I do without changing who I am as a goalkeeper um, bring a, a tremendous difference at, at, you know, at the time I have to, to respond. So I think it's, it was definitely a culture shock for me uh, going into my first camp and coming up here. But, you know, I'm, I'm more than grateful that, that it happened. It's never too late to learn something new. And, and it's just been a, a completely new experience, which I'm, I'm enjoying 100%. Uh, yeah, like go ahead, Omar. Cool question. Uh, quick question for you, Chris. Uh, you know, getting someone like Will, then you obviously get uh, COVID happening, and you kind of have like a pause in, in the you know your ability to communicate on the field. For you, any young coaches out there that are maybe getting a goalkeeper that has you know different background, and like we talk about the South American style and just different approaches. Like, do you? How often do you guys communicate new techniques during the season, and how much of that is done off, you know in, in preseason? Do you ever have any time to do it during the season? Last year, because of the, 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 the gaps or the, the spread, so to speak, we had a little bit of time to do certain things. I mean, it wasn't easy. We had individual training where, you know, the four guys were kicking balls off a rebounder for three months at a time where, you know, they, they could have killed me after because it's all we could do. They would split the field in a four and they would kick a ball off a rebounder and I have to jump over hurdles and roll under things. And, you know, and I, Will sitting right here, he was ready to kill me after two months of doing it, you know. But that was, that was what it was. It, to, to work on things, it was difficult. Um, you know, I'm part of the process, obviously, getting Will out of the loan situation into being with us full time was so I could have him in pre-season so we could work on things that Will talks about. Now, I think for me, a lot of it is on the field because, you know, you've got to put that perspective into what you're seeing, what I'm seeing in Will, uh, for example, to, to work on the field. You need that time. That time on the field is everything. Time on the grass is everything for that. Um, but there is video. Will and I do a lot of it. Um, you know, we, we are constantly talking about things, constantly looking at things, taking pictures, even things that aren't related to us. You know, we were talking yesterday about a, a goal, Manuel Neuer's goal um, against him in Mbappe on the weekend. Uh, I just told Will to take a, take a pick at it. We talk about losing up the top half of our body and our leanings and losing our hips and stuff like that. Constantly talking about things like that. So I think it's a, it's a balance between the two on and off the field. But for me, going through things and, looking at them on the field and talking about them on the grass and actually doing them. And, you know, Will's a person who wants to work on things all the time. Um, you know, that it's a big part of it for me. You know, I think both, both of it, but I think the other part of it too is going back to what Mike said about the culture for me, as his goalkeeper coach, I've got to look at what Will does well and not touch it and say, this is going to work. I ain't touching this, but there are things in there that we can make even more effective um, than what he already does well, you know? So there's probably two parts to that. 
Suski, I know for you, obviously, you had the same situation in regards to like COVID and everything like that with the with, with the collegiate season and, and how difficult that was, especially integrating freshmen and, and all of that into the scenario. But I think one of the most difficult things for a lot of college coaches this past year, you know, is they they want to tweak things. They want to touch things right there and there when when maybe they ne don't necessarily need to because they need to recognize what what is the demand for right now. And you guys had, you know, your season coming, you know, real quick after kind of, you know, this, this, this COVID lockdown and, and you guys had to be prepared and ready to go. Yeah. I think that I, you know, I agree with you guys so much in the sense that I, I, you know, we, we were actually, I, I, I we were privileged in the sense that um, we had the entire fall season to train. So, um, you know, the PAC 12 decided to play in the spring, the ACC didn't. You know, and and so, you know, whether that hurts them or whatever it does is yet to be seen. But, you know, we it was it enabled me to take the goalkeepers and Amanda and Sam and um, Jane to take the field players and train them and get them used to systems and get them used to stuff. It, it's it's a full season of training and then rolling into what we have done this spring and everything, you know, there's certain things that Lauren does that, you know, technically and stuff, you, I don't care. Any coach can look at me out there and be like, eh, eh. I'm like, but that's, that's Lauren and she does it well and she does it and I'm not going to change it. And I agree with you on that. Like, you know, she, she distributes a certain way. She does things a certain way. She has a side throat that, that if I try to take it really technical to her, might I might lose volatile, like I might lose the volatility on it. I might lose everything. I'm like, it works for her. So like, I'm leaving that alone. I will tweak other things. And then coming into the season, now it's a maintenance process. Now it's, it's getting ready for the next game, the next tournament and stuff like that. And it, you know, I had the privilege of the fall to hammer them to get out, to get out weird, like quirks in their, in their game. And now it's a maintenance process right now. You know, I, I think you, you go ahead, Omar. No, I, I just kind of, while we're on this topic, I, I just thought about it from, you know, um, you know, different goalkeepers in, in the units, you know, we obviously learn things from each other and, and will for you, you know, going into like the national team setup where two part question, did you learn anything from the guys that you were in camp with and did they see anything in your game and like mentioned to you, Hey, like that's actually something we've never seen here. How can you show us the technique and how you perfected it? Nah, I mean, uh, I was in camp with, with big ballers, man. I was with, uh, <laughs> Tim Howard, Brad Gruzon, uh, Nick Romando. And so I was the one paying attention to what they were doing. And, you know, first, first going into that camp, there, there are certain things that I, I noticed right away, which is how much more technical, um, you know, it, it is, you know, like a, a dipper, you know, the, the technique that they would use to, to collect the ball and the, the body shape behind it. And, and I was just used to, you know, not, not worrying about that as much as long as, you know, I kept the ball in possession, my possession. And so little things like that. Um, and, you know, for me, I've ever since I was a little kid, I've always wanted to learn, always. You know, there isn't a day where I don't want to learn something new or, or where I don't think there's something new I can learn. And so when I had, you know, guys like Tim Howard, uh, 
Guz and 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 Romando, you know, it would have been dumb on my side not to take the the most out of it. And regarding what 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 I do, obviously, you know, there was going to be no comments from Tim or Guz or Romando towards me because I was just you know a young fella, um, you know, just having my 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 first camps with the U.S. national team, but. One thing that they do emphasize a lot in, in specifically in Mexico, which is where I was my entire career, is your your ability to um, to distribute the ball, to be that eleventh man in, in possession. Absolutely. And, and so, uh, one thing that you know I've always tried to work on are my you know my side volleys or finding uh, my outbacks or the eight pockets and and things that we work on a lot with 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 Sharpie because. The game has evolved so much to where the keeper is a key part in 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 part of that possession of the team's possession with the ball. So that's one of the things that I think helped me going into into camp and and has helped me um, just because I like having the ball on my feet. Um, I feel comfortable, and now it's just a matter of of you know using it to to the advantage of the team the best as possible and what Sharpie and Robin ask of me. I think Saskia was right. You know, and I think that yeah, I was. Sorry, yeah, I was. <laughs> I um I think realize though as as well is that you're brought in for a reason. And once you're brought in at, at the level you're brought in, isn't necessarily to readjust your your playing like what you're doing. Like uh, I would be remiss to say if I was a national team goalkeeper coach, I'm gonna bring in Ashlyn Harris and everybody and try to reteach them something. Um, I'm going to highlight their highlight their strengths. We will talk about some of their weaknesses um, and work on them a, a little bit, but I'm not going to try to retweak you totally as a goalkeeper. Um, you're brought in for a specific. So, so I wouldn't want a national team goalkeeper to come in and say, well, Timmy's doing this or Goose is doing this or, or Ashlyn's doing this or, you know, Nair's doing this. So I have to do that. No, that I brought you in for a different reason. You're in here because of what you do. And I will work on you to tweak some stuff. Maybe you're too far near post. You know, I love saying that maybe you're this or that or the other, but you have to kind of identify the self that I'm not trying to make you into a Timmy Howard. I'm not trying to make you into a Brad Guzon. I'm not trying to do that. I'm bringing you in for you. So the keepers that understand that and don't get caught up in trying to be something they're not are the ones that succeed. A hundred percent. I agree a hundred percent with that because every keeper is so different. I mean, every keeper has their, his own style. And those, that's like one of the, the, the first talks I had with, with Sharpie is, was, you know, I've, I've seen so much video on you and, and I like this, 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 and that, and we're not going to change that. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, Sharpie's helped me be comfortable enough to where if he's like, if he says something, you know, you know, try to get your center of gravity lower, it'll help you do this. And I try and it's not working for me. And I, and I've, we've had these, we have them on a daily basis, these conversations, you know, where it's kind of like, you know, I feel a little more comfortable being a little bit upright. Cause I feel like I can get down to the, to the ground lower that way, you know, and he, and yeah, I mean, we, we just work on those small things. I think communication with the goalkeeper coach is a huge part of it. And like you say, I think it's the biggest part is being true to your style and to who you are 
because like you say, if you're trying to mimic something you're not or someone who you're not, it's just not going to work. Exactly. Yeah, you know, I think it, it's it, big, guys. Go ahead, Sharks. Sorry, I think it's big for the, the goalkeeper coaches too, to like what Will just said and Sass, what you just saying. You bring someone in because they will enhance what your team is trying to do, you know? And, they, and it could be anything. It could be you, your group wants to play a high line, the head coach wants to press, you need someone who's comfortable playing outside the 18-yard box and high up the field. They want to build. They don't want to go long. Everything has to build for the goalkeeper. So you need someone who's comfortable with their feet, who enjoys the ball at their feet. Um, you know, it, 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 your team might be a team that plays very, very spread and you guys give up a lot of stuff in transition, a lot of shots. You might need a shot stopper, just a pure shot stopper, keep the ball at the back of the net, but you're not asking to build out from the back. Like there's a lot of different things that, that go into why we pull goalkeepers in, why we pull players in. Um, but I think for me, when you are identifying the talent that you want or the people, the certain people that you want in that group, you must look at them. It doesn't matter if they're 18 or they're 38 and say, all right, they do this well. I'm not going to try and change it. Can I actually, can I enhance that to make them do it even better? Yeah. But there are parts of their game that I want to improve or help them improve within the, the shell of what they already are as a, as a goalkeeper. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I, I think for me, especially at, at, at Will's level, when we start trying to pull them apart completely, it's not it, 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 it hurts them, you know, which obviously has a, a snowball effect for everybody else. And, you know, there was things that Will and I, like I said, talked about, certain things like what if we shrink you down a little bit in your starting position in your stance tried it we was like no i'm not comfortable with it great let's go back up let's change something else about it to get it to where we need it to be so we looked at the feet the, the, the movements like little things that will does really really well starting to get it now to a point where it's, it, it's almost into perfection and that to me is and he's starting to feel it so it obviously that collaboration and will makes a great point there that the communication and collaboration between goalkeeper and coach is massive you have to be on the same page and that's just through communication and understanding of what you know we're talking about right now no absolutely there you go no i was, I was just going to say just to omar right here because uh, omar we're going to allow you to talk again we're uh we're taking you off mute you can talk now uh i don't know i don't know what your situation is with your uh grandparents walking in the background hopefully hopefully they're not going to walk by <laughs> any minute yeah. now but uh but i, I want to ask you because the thing is is you know we've been talking about at the high, the highest levels you know tip right here you know um, professional level national team level and all that and obviously you know you've worked at the youth level and, and at the collegiate level um i think one of the biggest issues and i think you know this is something that you recognized early on in your coaching career is that a lot of young coaches out there is they don't look about making sure that the goalkeeper is effective for not only their system like Sharpie's talking about, but effective for who they are. And they try to reprogram them into being the, the picture of, of the goalkeeper they think they should be. How difficult was that for you to kind of, kind of break that, you know, that, that mold of a coach? No, I think that's the, the beauty of where the goalkeeping community is nowadays, where you share, you know, you share ideas, you share your stories, and then people will obviously share theirs. And then, you know, with, uh, with Sharp, and then you have like Paul Rogers and, and Phil Wedd, and I've, I've shared with them, you know, I've had a bad session or I've tried to do this with a goalkeeper and they've all reminded me, we've done that before as well. Like, don't think that you're the only goalkeeper coach that's tried to, to implement your style and, and certain characteristics into a goalkeeper that just didn't work. So for me, that was peace of mind knowing that other coaches have done it, but it's now that I'm aware of it. How do I respond to it? So I told you guys a story before I had a young kid, Hispanic goalkeeper, amazing shot stopper. I said, if I could just give him a little bit of technique and make those saves, not look prettier, but make him look, uh, you know, give a better rebounds, put him into the corner versus central. Uh, when he scoops the ball, make sure he takes it on, uh, you know, he grips it the first time versus dropping it and then giving, steering a rebound for himself. So I tried to teach him that and he pushed back and, and I didn't know how to react. I was like, well, I thought this was the only way that it needed to be done. 
So I think as a young coach, if, if you have that kind of friction with somebody, don't go in there thinking you need to have your way or that's it. It's more like Chris is always saying, and, and I know I always think Chris, cause we did that podcast together and I was able to film him. It was more so put a topic together. And then once you've had that topic, each goalkeeper is going to respond differently. And Chris, yours, uh, you know, your session was that, you know, uh, recovering back to your line and creating space. It was like the corner kick uh, aspect. Abe, obviously different size than, uh, than Will and Clint. And for, for him, he's going to respond differently. So for me, it was seeing that and I go, okay, you're doing a topic, but each goalkeeper is getting different language based on their ability, based on their size. So I'll thank you for that. And I'll thank every other coach that's posted about that. That reminds me of like, there's a proper way to do it now that I'm aware of it. Now it's about just educating yourself and finding out what each goalkeeper needs. No, well, go ahead. No, I I agree with that. I think that, I think that, um, in my old age and stuff, but I think that showing the goalkeeper, what they're doing wrong, like video wise and stuff. So they get it so that it's not just your philosophy. It's it's like, there's a certain, there's certain things we've talked about that are gray area and goalkeeping, you know, certain height, different, like different, different distance off your line because of your size, like athleticism, this, that, the other, that, that is what it is, but there's certain things, angle play and this and that and the other that you can show to a goalkeeper all right, you're not listening to me. I'm going to keep showing you why this keeps happening. Why this keeps happening. You're too far near your post. You're 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 out of position. You can't recover back into the center of the goal. You're getting beat every time. This, that, and the other. If you start here for this situation and stuff like that, try it. Understand what I'm saying. This has nothing to do with height or size or or athleticism. This has to do with angles, mathematics, and everything like that. Like understand that. So there's two folds to this. Yes, we we develop goalkeepers based on their size, their their abilities, their athleticism, and everything. But we all there there also is a calculated size to it as well. Sorry, you guys. Ca- calculated size to side to it as well that we have to add in. Too. See what's going on right there, Will. Is that uh, is that that Susky's getting all that those group texts because everybody's congratulating her for the for exactly. the Pac-12 championship. Is that, re- is that really what it is? Yeah, it actually is. <laughs> That's Sorry. hilarious. No, but no, no. It's okay. I want to say my point. Like an yeah. example to you would be. All right, I'm gonna say if you, I didn't have it, um, but if we look at the goal that we won against Stanford yesterday, and um, my she's too, she's a half a foot too far near post. When Raylan is coming down to the end line, she has no chance to shoot near post whatsoever. She's got pressure on her, and and Stanford's goalkeeper is half a foot of front of near post, right? So all Raylan does is slide in and chip a ball into center of the box. Now your recovery, you're so far out of position. Your recovery is so off that had you been in the right position, any goalkeeper in the right position, you could just come and collect the ball. But because you're so far out of position, we get, we get a, a clip on the ball, we get a rebound and we score the winning goal. So that is, that's just fact for any goalkeeper. That's what I'm telling you. There's a difference between athleticism and what a keeper brings to the game and the fundamentals of goalkeeping. 
Will, Will, I, I want to ask you this because, uh, you know, while, while we have you here is like I, I, a lot of times, a lot of young goalkeepers, they see an action that takes place in a game of a high level professional like yourself, and it's not a successful action. And they go, oh, that was the wrong action. That was the wrong action in the moment. Uh, not recognizing all the different variables that go into it. Um, can you kind of un- explain to, you know, kind of some of the young goalkeepers out there that like just because an action isn't effective doesn't mean it was the wrong action in the moment. Of course, and I mean, you know, I've, I've been playing for a while. Sharpie's been around, you know, for forever. And <laughs> that's true. Um, I was talking about that. I've been, long, I've been around longer than you. So. That's, true. that's true. And, and we just, we just had this chat, uh, just a few days ago where you're not always going to be in the perfect spot. You're not always going to have the, the, the perfect action. So it's what you do on a daily basis to how you can compensate for those those bad actions to at the end of the day become effective. So there, there are times where, you know, we, we talk about this with Sharpie all the time where you're not gonna be in the perfect spot. And just because you're not in the perfect spot doesn't mean that you can't be effective in the action that's taking place. And as for, for young goalkeepers, no, you're gonna make mistakes. We make mistakes at the highest level. And it's part of it. One of the big things that helps me is is um, what Saskia was talking about is is going back, looking at video, because when you're caught up in 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 the moment in the game, sometimes you don't realize it. And when you go back and review it on video, you sit with uh, your goalkeeper coach, and 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 you review it. You you notice all these little things, and so then you know your focus turns in uh, to the week and what you have to do to 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 perfect those those moments, but any young goalkeeper know that your actions aren't always going to be perfect but it's what you can do with whatever position or situation situation you're in where you can uh, compensate in a certain way to make whatever play is that uh, you're in effective i love what you just said right there and, and sharpie i know this is a conversation that like we've we've had personally in regards to the fact that you know a lot of young goalkeepers you know they'll give up on the play if they think that they're in the wrong position or they get that deer in the headlights look like, Oh, I came out. I wasn't supposed to come out that sort of a thing. Um, and, uh, and you kind of have to, you know, kind of reemphasize to them, you know, that you still have to make a play on the ball. You still have to do something uh, to try to affect the, the, the scenario. It's funny. We did a crossing session last week. Will. Yep. Yeah. You know exactly where I'm going with this. Don't you? We did a crossing session last week and it was just, it was four angles getting into the, what we call the prime assist zone uh, for the attackers and, you know, finding ourselves in the best positions. We you know we had the, the rebounders in there, the goalkeeper could finish. Uh, just me putting them into really tough and awkward positions um, and making a very, very quick decision. You know, and Sash, you just mentioned there about getting outside the post. You know, when do we square up? When is our body on a slight angle? Where do we want to be to, to make sure that we have the most options to save the shot, deal with the cross, deal with the cutback, deal with a, a rebound in and around us, whatever it looks like. Um, but we, we were three quarters away from the session, whipped in a ball, um, and, and we stopped it. We came in and chatted after the thing, and Will said to me, well, what's the thought process here? If we know in that split second that we've made a mistake, it, it, it hasn't been a mistake or it hasn't turned into a mistake, but we know that we have taken a step forward and gone, oh, crap, now I'm in a bad spot. And not compounding that part into another one and then into another one and then into another one. So and as Will just mentions there, being in a space that, then I might not be in the best position, but now I've got to think about what is actually going to happen and trying to be affective in that moment 
to keep the ball at the back of the net. And it doesn't have to be pretty. It doesn't have to be, you know, uh, uh, good to the, to the naked eye. Um, but not compounding a movement that may have put us in a bad position to start with, with another one, then another one, then another one, and it just keeps going on top of each other, you know? So conversation that we had, and then I'm just using this example because it happened last week. We had a conversation like this last week. It, yeah, it literally happened last week. It was a cross. Yeah. I took two, three steps out as if I were to collect the ball. And then, you know, it's the oh crap moment. And then so that's where a lot of, 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 of keepers give up. And they, their, their, their first thought is, you know, I'm done. I'm screwed. It's a goal. But the play's not over yet. So it's what can you do in a split second to get in the best position possible, which we talk about with Sharpie all the time. You're not going to be in a good spot. But you have to be in a good enough spot to where you can deal with, you know, you don't know how the play's going to finish. You don't know if, if the striker's fit, uh, touch is going to be off, if it's going to be um, – you just don't know. So it's – you know, what do I do next? And it, I mean, it worked out perfect for, for this because it just happened. I don't know. Was it Thursday? I think. Yeah. Thursday. Yeah. Dude, dude, Will, you just brought up something awesome though. Like I was say this and Mike and Omar know this. Don't follow one mistake by another <laughs> period. Don't compound it. You get that. Oh crap moment. And you don't, don't just say I'm, 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 I'm I'm, I'm committed to the oh crap moment. Oh crap. You still have a split second to make a decision. I'm going to bring up the goal against Nair and Sweden, period. Where in the world was she going? What? She made the decision to come for that corner kick. Okay. There is no reason that she should have come for that corner kick. You've got everybody at the top of the of the. Um, front corner of the six you got all your players you got everything got a ball that swung in curling into away from her at the top of the six she's never getting to that ball and she made the decision in her head to go and so halfway there she should have said oh shit this is the wrong decision and stop maybe you stop and maybe you still give yourself a chance but she said i've committed myself to this i'm just gonna go Right. So, you know, the Sweden forward comes back by heads it and puts it in. She stays in that situation. She makes she just stands and makes it makes a standing save. And it's no big deal. But because she committed herself and couldn't pull herself back from making the wrong decision, she made two bad decisions. Number one, you made the wrong decision just to automatically go. Number two, you made the wrong decision not to stop yourself realizing that you're never getting to that ball and at least put yourself shape up, bow up, and maybe you get a tip and maybe you still make the save. So it, it was a it was horrible goalkeeping. She's a great goalkeeper, not take, but she knows and she can come on and talk to me about it. It was horrible goalkeeping, period. And it's something I hate to see. It's go. It's like oh, I'm just still gonna come and try to punch the ball, and you get you get headed, and the ball goes in the back of the net. It was hard. I, I do want to say this right now. Um. Uh. By the way, in, in regards to just not the Alyssa Nair situation. Um. But but Omar, you know, I think one thing that that I experienced, and I don't know if you felt the same way when you went, you know, to South America, and and Sharpie, you know, you can attest to this as as a coach, and and Will, you can attest as a player, is that I feel like in Latin America, one benefit they do have is they do put the goalkeepers in their session design a lot of times in disadvantageous situations, and it forces the goalkeeper to learn how to make a play on the ball, even if it's a no-win situation. Omar, is that something that you experienced? 
I just want to, I like, I, I think that in our ability at this point, like in your, in, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, you guys don't like, you can realize in your movement because you're supposed to take a pause and realize where the ball's going, right? You're not just supposed to, and this is where a lot of goalkeepers fall into it. Okay, I'm coming out, I'm going to box the ball. So we see goalkeepers like box the ball right here, just catch the ball, open up your hands, right? So, like, I feel like I'll bring up that situation. I think that she made the decision. She was coming for the cross no matter what. You have to be able to change your mind. It's like coming for a through ball or something and saying, I'm going, it's 50-50 ball. and realizing it's not a 50-50 ball and being able to gather yourself in your fast movement and still stand a player up. And so it's that quick decision-making that makes, in my, my opinion, top goalkeepers to elite goalkeepers realizing that you've made a decision that might be wrong, but still being able to gather yourself and give yourself a chance. Yeah. And like, I agree. That- I agree. And I think the ones that go from being good goalkeepers to great goalkeepers actually then change that moment to advantageously affect themselves. Yeah. So I'll use what we were talking about last week. Ball over the top, over, like whipped in from, from a, a close area, takes a step forward, goes over his head person at the back post he's got three yards four three and a half four yards left to cover goes over his head takes his step takes the second one and goes oh crap now turns sees the players about to volley it but you and i'm take, saying you, you take two steps you take off you end up diving past the person volleying the ball past the post you got nothing inside the goal and they just pat, tap it past you anyway and go oh whatever you made the mistake the first part i'm saying okay you made the mistake to take the step the ball goes over your head as you turn what does my timing look like to make sure that as they hit the ball, I'm now saying to you, okay, I've given you three yards of space, but that's the only three yards of space you're going to hit the ball in. I'm going to try and time it. So as I take off, you're hitting the ball in that area. I've got legs to cover the back side of the, the back post of my goal and every other part of my body is going to cover this near post. You know, people aren't going to look at that and go, oh, he made a mistake there and what a recovery. People go, what a great save. You know, right. but yeah. That, that yeah. ability to turn what you know in your head in that split second is, oh crap, that's a mistake into a, you know what, I'm going to turn this into, into my event, event situation here and deal with it and then be done with it and move on. You know, and that's the difference for me. Tony DeChico always said it's better to be um, setting out a position than moving. Like, you know, you, you don't like, don't compound two one mistake by another one. Don't like keep running at the ball and say, shit, I've given myself up. This is the decision I made. I'm just going to stick with it. You have the ability to change your mind in the flow of play in the, in this decision. And then even if you're out of position, get set and try to make a play on the ball. Period. Yep. And you never know what you're going to come up with. No, well, you know, it's, it's funny that you just said that, Suskari, here, because I, I want to bring up this clip right here of Will when we're talking about being effective and even when you when you might be slightly out of position, being able to make a play on the ball. This is a great play right here. Basically, what happens is a 46 minute for people who are listening right now, Colorado, Seattle, uh, rolled on, gets a ball on the outside corner, and it's a, like a sharp driven ball into Rui Diaz on the one time touch. And what a brilliant save right there, Will. Talk, talk about right there improvising in the moment, recognizing you need to cover that gap and just kind of just spreading yourself and boom. Look at that, guys. Like that, that ball's coming in hard. You recognize I'm not atta- you're not going to attack that ball and approach it. You're going to hold position. And then you see that gap is right there. And then you just just a simple touch with the body right there. That's effective. Also, what Will doesn't do is he doesn't he doesn't assume. 
He doesn't assume he doesn't cheat. He doesn't do anything. He stays big. He stays solid. And he gives himself the opportunity to react to whatever it is, period. A lot of goalkeepers will assume they'll go this. Oh, he's going to hit it near. But he just stays big and gives himself a chance. You know, in, in all fairness, a lot of this uh, is is credit to Sharpie because this this movement is something that we've worked on on a daily basis. So I'm 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 always amped up, hyped up, you know, on the field, whatever. And and there's a lot of movement in my body. And so one of the things we've been working on a lot is, you know, especially in that situation right there, is once you see uh, you're not going to be able to collapse and collect the ball if it's coming across the face of the goal, is turning and getting set. Yep. And and when I've realized how much that's been able to help me, as when when you're set, your your possibilities of getting a save are that much higher as to if I were to, to, to turn and I'm moving, then I'm, I'm, I'm screwed. And so it's something we've been working on a lot. These are the small tweaks and things that, you know, we were talking about at the beginning that, that have helped me, you know, tremendously where I've noticed that giving myself a little bit of extra depth um, and being set have helped me tremendously. And, you know, we're still working on it. There's still times during games or at halftime or after the game, I'll come up to Sharp and be like, dude, when that ball came across, I was still moving. We'll see it in the video. And but we're 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 getting better. We're getting there. But I can already start to see it, you know, in, in certain actions like this one we just saw. Um put it on mute. <laughs> put it on mute. It is on mute. I don't know why it's doing that. I'm sorry. Wait, did you turn your phone on silent? Like just my phone off. How about that? Uh <laughs> So, no, and I agree with that 100%. And that's a hard thing to teach keepers. And Sharpie will know this. Like, you know, they get in their mindset that, oh, and they think and they lean. And they, you have to remember that, number one, the forward sees you leaning. Number one, the forward feels your energy. They know you're maybe leaning near post or leaning far post. And they're going to tuck it in wherever your energy is going, going the opposite way. And so, you you know, you have to, at this level, you have to realize that it's, it's they're not just blindly hitting the ball, hopefully. No. Um, and so standing tall and getting set even with more depth and more depth gives you more reaction time, the close, you know, in certain situations. So it gives you that time to get set and get a reaction where maybe if you're too close, you get beat by speed. We had a, we had a situation, we had a situation, sorry, Mike, no, no worries. last week, played Salt Lake in the preseason game. Pretty similar to what the video just saw there, but it was on wheels the other side. Or lad comes down the out. The, our right-hand side cuts the ball back. Will turns in, probably another yard over than what he was there. Smacked it from six yards. Great first save. Ball goes out the top of the box. Krylak hits it first time. Weed squeezed out. And they have two players, one behind and one beside Will, that are offside. Like Krylak hits it first time. Will's in a good spot. The, the lad's standing right next to him. Doesn't take off because the boy's standing right there. The referee calls it a goal. And, and when we watched the video there, four, five, six yards offside. Um, but when we go back after the game, Will comes up to me and goes, I know exactly what you're going to say after the, the, when you watch the video back. As soon as the ball went out, I stepped forward. You know, when you talk about things like that, but now the, 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 the ingraining of the coach's side into what the goalkeeper's doing, he knows it. He's, he's walked off the field and gone, you, you, you're going to say I took a step forward, you know, which is great. On the weekend, Will played, we, we played against Phoenix Rising and both my goalkeepers played. Our other uh, goalkeeper, 
uh, Rawlsy's on loan to, to Phoenix. So I got to watch both of them, you know, and I did their videos against each other. And, you know, there were times there, ball goes out, Rawlsy's having the game, I'm stepping forward. I'm moving forward as the ball gets cleared out from a corner kick. And it's great to see. It's great for me as a coach and, and, and Sus, and, and you guys know that it, it's becoming ingrained in them. They know it as soon as they do it. They know it. They can talk about it. They feel it. You know, which is great because that means it's a learning process. It's starting to, like Will said, starting to become ingrained in them that, you know, it will become effective. What they're doing will become effective. And then when they see it, they make the save. It'll become very effective. And that, to me, is a huge piece of coaching. Absolutely. Totally agree. I, I absolutely love what you just said, Sharpie, right there, because I, I know that Omar and I, we've had this discussion in, in the past in regards to when you really understand that your goalkeeper is is kind of, connecting for lack of a better term, you know, that everything is moving fluidly in regards to tra training, training into the match scenarios and all that stuff is when they start hearing your language within, within their, within their movements. And you don't need to say anything. And, you know, Omar, I know we've had this discussion before, like where, you know, in the past, you know, yourself or maybe a younger coach or whatever, even myself in the past, you know, will start trying to tell something to a goalkeeper, but they've already recognized that there's no need for us to regurgitate that information. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that's where, uh, again, you know, I, I just watching Chris, I mean, I bring your session up all the time with people who I talk to about like a lot of the the things and the ways that I coach. And when you layer those, uh, like the terminology in your sessions as a coach, you have to, you have to find your voice first and then your, your principles of what you want to coach. And then once you've obviously taken those principles and then understood the context of the play you're coaching that into and what their best strengths are then in the sessions and I told Chris when we were watching he was just like I don't have to stop the session that much anymore Omar because I could just say one or two words and they know exactly what I'm talking about so I think as long as you can develop that trust with your player develop that language that coaching on the fly becomes so easy and then at the end of the day they start coaching themselves and like he's saying Will's you know coming off the field and saying I could tell you exactly what, what you're going to see on the footage that right there is that trust and it's like I know you're not going to criticize me and if you are I know exactly why so I, for me I think that's the important part of that trust and you, you kind of have to let that build over time you can't uh, force it with a you know one or two sessions it's just period of time they have to get used to. Uh, I think you bring up a great point there Omar and, and it's funny because I had this conversation with one of my coaching staff the other day about like you use the word criticizing it's, it's not, it's not for me. It's neither. It, it, it's, it's, I'm giving you the information that I think is going to make you the best goalkeeper, which in turn is going to let us win football games. You know, and there's, there's a whole, there's a whole way around that, which in turn, you know, for the coach, it, it helps us as well. You know, if my goalkeeper is playing well and the team's winning football games, it reflects on us as a coaching staff. And that's, there's a, there's a, a whole process to it. It's not just goalkeeper played poorly, goalkeeper coach's fault. Goalkeeper played well, goalkeeper coaches done well. You know what I mean? That, that's, that, that's, for me, it's not even close to being the case. It's an understanding that when they're doing the little things well, they're understanding the little things they're asking, not only in my philosophy, but, you know, my philosophy is also bought into how we want to play, you know, as a club and as a team. Um, you know, that, that has to be a part of it as well for the goalkeepers to understand that. And when they start seeing that and playing well, then, you know, for us, it's a, it's a win-win because the team's winning, the goalkeeper's playing very, very well. And, and you know, as a coaching staff, whatever it looks like, it's successful. I, I want to play this clip right here, uh, Will, because, you know, I think this is a, a great example, you know, in regards to what I, I think, uh, you know, Suske, you might have been the one who brought it up earlier in regards to, you know, when you recognize you can't win that ball. And basically what happens, it's a, cor it's a corner that's played right through here. Um, essentially, we'll just play it through live. Ball's played in, you create depth, ball comes in to Wando, and then you just make yourself huge right there. I mean, that's such a brilliant 
play right there because so many young goalkeepers, again, they'd get caught in this no man's land right there. It's like, oh, I got to affect the play. I got to affect the play. And you're like, no, what's going to be effective for me is for me to drop line right here, create some depth so that that when that ball is laid off, as that ball, I think that's Wando that I think the ball comes into initially. And you just made yourself, you know, spread yourself, made yourself as huge as possible and just affect the play right there. I, I think that's just absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, the, the biggest thing for me there is right there, you can already tell that I'm thinking about what we've been working on since since I got here with Sharpie. And, and which is, you know, once I recognize that so bad. Reason for me to come collect that ball, it's give myself depth. So if there is a header, I have that little bit of extra reaction time. And once the ball gets played in, I mean, it's, it's what you say. I mean, I don't think this is me personally. This is where Sharpie never, you know, gets into me. Like you should do this. You should do that. That just is, is who I am, where if it's a split ball, you just do what you can to make yourself as big as possible, hoping that, you know, you're inside the six yard box, I don't know, three, four yards off the line to where, you know, just make yourself as big as possible and try to make sure that ball, you know, ends up hitting you and not the back of the net. I mean, that's just a brave play in my, in my, in my opinion right there, you know, and I, I've seen young goalkeeper coaches, you know, criticize a goalkeeper for spilling that ball in that box right there. And I'm not saying it, you know, you know, and, and again, I think it's, it's part of that, that maturation process and that learning process, as opposed to recognizing just the fact that they affected the play is the, is the win right there. And, and guess what? If you get scored on in that situation right there, you still did your best to affect the play. That is a, in my opinion, that's a no win situation right there. Yeah, of yeah. course. I mean, I think every keeper would want to, to save, you know, every scoring opportunity that the rival has, they're going to score on you. I mean, that's, that's the end of the day. And you just have to have as many tools as possible to, you know, another thing me and Sharpie talk about every single day, make yourself hard to beat. I mean, at the end of the day, that's our goal. Have as many tools as possible. So that on game day, you're hard to beat. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, that, go ahead. To, it goes, sorry. It goes back to Sask's thing about what you said about the, the goal against Stanford. You know, I'm talking to these guys all the time about giving themselves options, you know, and, and, and my big thing is for Will is, is make yourself as hard to beat. We're giving, you know, all the guys, the tools, all the goalkeepers, the tools to, to be hard to beat, but I'm always asking them to think about the options they have. Don't take options away by poor positioning. Don't take options away by, and I'll, give it, I'll give it to my I'll give it to the fact that she got her ass back across the goal and right. she actually did make the save off of Sunshine's first. But because it should have never had to come to what it came to for her and it came to a kick save and it rebounded right back out to Delaney and Delaney like buried it. it had she not taken those options away from herself, she would have just collected the ball like we would we would it would we would still be playing. Like, you know, so, but she, if you, if you pull up the clip and I can actually send it to Mike, she was so, she took herself so far out of the, the situation that, that she literally had no options. Like she, she played that near post so much when there's no reason to that. And I had already set noted this in pre pregame like videos. She's taking herself and I saw it multiple times. And I said, she's playing, she's taking herself out of situation, go far post, go far post. Raylan, it, it was a good hit. She she just honestly, it was lucky. Raylan slid and kicked it, but it went past her. 
and her recovery, she took herself out of the game, you know, and I want to go, I want to backtrack onto the fact that I love the fact, well, that you're, I love when my keepers come to me and say, I know I was this, I was, because, because I can't be on the field with you, you know, and, and that's the bottom line. And so you have to realize the mistakes you've made and maybe it doesn't result in a goal, but the mistakes you've made and adjust them in the flow of play. And I'm not the I'm not the coach that's going to stand here running up and down the sideline, joysticking you and yelling and screaming. And ah, it's not who I am. Right. I'm hoping that the education I've given you over the week or over the weeks, you can educate yourself in in the situation, in the flow of the game. And when you come to me at a halftime or something and say, ah, I was still moving or that I'm like, sweet, I don't say anything. We'll deal with it at practice this week. But you get it, you know. Omar, I got a question for you because obviously, you know, you're, you're big in the social media world. I'm pretty sure people know that by now. Um, is that, uh, is that with a lot of the sessions that are posted on social media, a lot of the times, I think one of the biggest issues with it is that it starts constructing this false construct in a lot of young goalkeepers heads where they think if it doesn't look like this, then I'm not doing it right. It's not effective. If it's not, I'm not doing it this way right there. How, how is that something that like you kind of battle like as, 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 as an influencer so that people start recognizing that, you know, this is just a scenario that happened. This is not, you know, the, the odds all ends, ends all, you know? No, I think you just need to provide context from the jump. And I think that's what I've been trying to tell a lot of like people who do create content of like understanding, okay, today's going to be a handling session. We're looking to handle. And today's going to be a deflection session. We're looking to work on steering and where we, where we deflect the ball. So I think, from the jump, just putting a context to what you're doing is super important. And as well for the coaches, uh, you know, detailing what you're telling your goalkeepers, put it on camera as well. And I, I mean, I think we did that, Chris, uh, with your session as well. I want to do it again, hopefully soon. But I think it was important for, for people to understand, OK, you want to create depth. Why is that? OK, when the ball gets you know played a certain way, when Carlos Vela comes down, the so you put context to specifically who you're going to be seeing in the scouting report. So for me and anybody watching, now I understand, okay, when he says create depth, he's saying it in this specific way versus just an umbrella statement of just create depth and that's all you need to do. So I think that's very important understanding um, uh, in terms of just putting it up front in the video or even in text, letting people know what your objective is. Well, well, I got a question for you because, you know, obviously as, as, a, as a veteran professional now, you know, you've got such a memory bank now of scenarios that you've seen, you know, when, when you're in a situation and you see something, you go, oh, that, that reminds me of this so-and-so situation. Is there, is there a, a chance sometimes that in those situations you get in your head because you start thinking, you start playing that, that scenario in your head rather than that what's really going on in front of you? No, obviously over the years you gain experience and um but the 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 biggest thing for me is there's no two exact scenarios so every game every scenario is going to be completely different so every game i've ever played there's certain uh shots that might be similar or thing or you know certain situations that might be similar but what what the biggest thing for me is knowing who you're going to face so we do you know, a lot of video review and you need to know what, what the, the abilities of certain players are going to be up against are to give yourself an idea. But I mean, at the, at the end of the day, it means nothing because if it's, you know, uh, Vela, for example, he always tried to cut back and look for that, that far post shot, you know, and, but just because that's what he usually does, doesn't mean he's always going to go there. 
And then other things come into play. If you have bodies in front of you, that might help you cover that first post shot to where you can get a, a little bit of an extra step towards your far post to cover it easier. It, it, experience does give you a lot on how to handle certain moments of games, um, how to be more calm under certain situations. But at the end of the day, any ball you're going to face is going to be completely different to any other one you've ever had. Similar situations, yes. But at the end of the day, you're going to have to resolve it in a different way. But experience does give you a little bit of a, a front edge on, on how to deal with it for sure. Sharp, Sharpie, I know that you guys, obviously, you guys do, you know, obviously a lot of analysis, a lot of video breakdown and everything like that. And I think one thing, you know, in regards to effectiveness, you know, is recognizing those trends from the video analysis, you know, and, uh, and I know, Omar, this is something that you're really big on, obviously, Saskia, UCLA, you know, you guys are huge on on, on breaking it down and, and, and recognizing those trends, you know, um, do you ever like kind of when you're looking through this and go, Oh my gosh, I thought that, that, that these actions were being effective, but based on these trends that I'm seeing throughout the season, there are, there are better ways to go about this. Yeah. I think that, look, Will makes a great point. Not, not any one situation is the same. Bodies will be in different areas. Wind will be different. Field will be wet. Field will be dry. There's a million different things you could throw in the, you know, ball speed, balls hit differently, balls moving, whatever it looks like. You're in a better position than you were the scenario before. Um, you know, but I think, you know, for me, and, and, and look, we, we do quite a bit of video and obviously the, the pandemic stuff hasn't helped a whole lot be able to be, you know, side by side with each other. But, you know, for the guys, you know, I spend a lot of my time and Will knows that watching the training video over and over again, watching the game film and, um, you know, <laughs> I said this the other day, Mike, when we were texting back and forth, and we'll, we'll attest to this. I say to the guys all the time, just be effective. Just be effective. doesn't matter if I hit a ball that's dipping and bending and you try and take it cleanly. If you get two big paws to it and it goes out for a throw on the sideline, it's been effective. It might not be the most you know, a visually aesthetic and pleasing to the eye, but it's effective. You put the ball in a position that helps us, that helps you, um, you know, but the – you do look for trends and traits in each goalkeeper that will help them be effective hundred percent, but not every scenario is going to allow you to use your technical ability, the way you want to do it, your breakdown and be effective. And, and, and you know, one that came to mind and, and might, you know, looking, you know, just, I was looking through some video, but did a shot stopping thing last week and I had the traffic cones. I, I, I use traffic cones a lot, like the three foot traffic cones in the guys. We have two, three defenders in front of, our goalkeepers in front of Will that are very block orientated. And Will and I look at this all the time. They drop very deep on top of the goalkeeper. So, you know, when, when they're looking to get blocks in and people are having shots, not necessarily really tight to guys, they'll be three or four yards off them. And it, it then creates a, a depth, you know, difference for the goalkeeper. So I use the traffic cones a lot, wet traffic cones, the ball slips off them brilliantly. Um, but the other day, you know, it hit, a, it hit a dipping ball in and it comes around the cone and Will just kind of, volleyballs it out out for a corner kick if he tried to do anything else rebound's probably going to end up somewhere where we don't want it to be and it's just effective and he looks at me and i said mate that's effective it, what you've just done there is purely effective your position was great set position was fantastic timing is getting set when i look put my head down was great you're in a great spot ball dips around the cone he has to stand up wait for the deflection doesn't lean doesn't cheat doesn't lose hips just volleyballs it out over the sideline for a, for a corner kick. For me, great. We set up. We set our shape up. Fantastic. End. It's dead. But aesthetically not great, but effective, 
you know? And those are the moments that, that for me, being effective in the goalkeeping is, is massive, especially nowadays with all the different tangibles that we have going on. But Sharpie, yeah. we train that out of kids. We train that out of kids. Yeah. And Will, I'm, Will, I'm sure, I'm sure you know, you've seen this at the youth levels all the way up to the professional level when you're playing. Coaches that train this out of kids, that train that ability to make those, those decisions based on what the goal or the outcome is, 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 is that, that they want. And they go, no, I'm not supposed to do that, so I'm going to do this instead, yeah. and then it fails. Yeah. Like, I'll give a good example. Um, Lauren came out to me, and this is a field player example. Lauren came out to make a 50-50 save on a breakaway um, against Stanford, right? So she hits hits 50-50 in the box, right? Like, massive collision. The ball spins up, so it pops up, and has the weirdest spin on it. Weirdest spin on it, and it drops. So, JC, instead of a normal player running and trying to control the ball, she just runs through the ball. She's like, screw it. I'm just going to body through the ball. It bounced and like did like a, like a, I don't know, like a weird hop towards the goal. But like me understanding the way the ball spins knows that that's, that's the weirdest spin on the ball period. Had somebody tried to stand in and try to clear, it's going to hit off then and go in the, she just ran through the ball and put it out for a corner. Like period. That's just, that's understanding. Like I'm just, I'm just, ushering this ball out with my body. I'm not going to do what technically people say, let me try to control this ball, send it out for a, a, a throw in. Let me try. She tries to do that. If, if ricochets off her, it's in the back of the net. She just said, I'm just barreling through the ball and pushing it out for a corner. And that's what she did. And that's a field player, but that's understanding. Like you can't be so literal. You can't be like, this is what I'm supposed to do. That's not how this game works. <laughs> but I, I, I want to bring this up with Omar because, you know, obviously you, you do a lot of private sessions, you know, I mean, I, I know all of us do private sessions as well too, but you specifically, you know, spend a great deal of time doing private sessions. And because of that, the parents are, are very much involved in, 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 in this aspect of it. And I don't know if you've ever had this Omar, but I've had the situation where parents will start telling me, Oh, he did it wrong. Or she did it wrong. Or like, Oh, like, aren't you going to say something to them because that's not the way you taught them to do it or whatever. Like, how do you deal with that's, that situation so that the parents start understanding because i want the parents who are listening to this to understand to give those those, their 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 kids that freedom and and to recognize what's the outcome what's the goal that you want as opposed to what's this action yeah i think i think you just answered it though i think it's just reminding them that the outcome is is more important than you know obsessing over the way they save the ball and again the evolution as a coach you you know when to bite your tongue you know when to to step in and you know when to obviously let the goalkeepers uh improvise and when they improvise and you feel like i'm sure will for you the save that you made that chris was talking about i'm sure that's something that you've toyed around with for years and years and years and you finally came to that point where like i feel comfortable getting a good amount of you know, surface area of my, or my body behind this ball to steer it away. And if I was a young coach and I saw that, I probably would have said, don't do that, man. But then again, we talk about how literal players are. And now I'm, I'm aware of it, of how literal these kids will take it. And now that's a, what's it called? It's just a, a mental block for the rest of their career. So I think understanding that at a young age now as a coach, where I'm just like, if a kid looks at me, sometimes they'll say, oh, coach, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have done it like that. And I just say, hey, you made the save. Do you know why you made the save? Can you explain to me the reason for your decision? Well, I just wanted to make sure I knew I couldn't catch it. So I wanted to make sure I you know, steered it into a good area. That's all I care about. That's all I need to hear. But when you actually you know, let it go and you just say, hey, great save versus like, hey, tell me why you did that. I feel like 
the kid doesn't know why, and they'll never feel comfortable doing it again because they never verbalize the, I guess, the intent behind it. So as long as you can kind of give them the reason or they can give you the reason why they did it. And I think taking a second in the session to help them, you know, communicate that, I think that'll go a long way in the, uh, in the future. Dude, I, well, I love what you just said. Well, I think it's keep the damn ball out of the net. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Numero uno. I was going to say, at the end of the day, that's the most important thing. I mean, if it comes off of your face or your hands, it doesn't matter. If it doesn't go in, that's all that, that, that matters. That's the truth of the matter. It's the end of the day. Keep the ball out of the net. It's that simple. And I don't care. I, you know, you have people, me a hand play goalkeeper, keep the ball out of the net. Like just, just get it done. You know, we can go over the technical side of stuff, but if you get your body there and you get everything there and it goes off your nose or if it goes off your elbow or if your ear or whatever, and it's not in the back of the net, I don't care. It's not in the back of the net. Period. I, there's, something to be said. there's something to be said guys for uh, a goalkeeper doesn't matter what age level, just being or having the knack to keep the ball at the back of the net. It, 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 aesthetically pleasing or not, it doesn't to me. There's something about it that just, you, you can't look past that. You know, and I, you guys know I do the academy, development academy, U12 for U19. Um, I've, I've seen a, a wide array of goalkeepers in the last 15 years come through. You know, kids that have gone to be national team goalkeepers, first team goalkeepers, good college level goalkeepers, guys that just wanted to go to college and, and, and enjoy themselves. Um, but it's funny when you look back through the statistical side of it, that some of the goalkeepers who haven't gone on to be full national team, youth national team goalkeepers and high collegiate D1s and onto the first team, um, some of those guys that have just kind of got through the development academy, you know, being very good at just keeping the ball at the back of the net, but to, to the eye of those watching and scouting them, you know, it, it wasn't the prettiest, but their statistical show that they had the most wins across their, their time in the academy. They had the most save percentage across the time in the academy. It's interesting. It really is interesting. But I think we go away. We lose that now, like you just said, Omar, that want to, oh, that, that's very effective. That's really good. Or it's not very effective because they didn't do it like that. Ah, that was a little bit lucky. But for me, be, be effective. Like that, that clip you showed before, Mike, of, of Will on the near post at Rui Diaz, I, I bet you 85% of kids would try and get their, their left hand down there to save that. Mm-hmm. Get rid of their feet and get their left hand down there to save that. That's just what the way they've been taught. I'm massive, and we will tell you this because it's a big part of his game. Don't take your hands away to you know. Don't take your, your your feet away to use your hands. You know, you you use everything. Be effective. Just let it be effective. Be effective. The day you keep the ball in that. I'm sorry, and I say that all the time. I'm like, like somebody will come. My keepers will come back and be like, "Oh, I should have done this or that or the other." I'm like, "You kept the ball out in that." Right. Like, so, I mean, yeah, we can go over the technical side of it, but the ball's on the back of the net. So, you know, I can't really argue that much with the situation. We can tweak it, but, you know. Mike, and and I just want to say one thing before we get to this clip. Uh, You know, just recently, I mean, I can't say where I've been working yet. Just hopefully, if it works out, it works out, hopefully. But, you know, we we had a game this weekend, and one of our goalkeepers, they obviously like to play out of the back. Uh, the whole team does. The system does. And the goalkeeper cleared it one touch. And so there was a guy right on top. Which, which teams hey, around the, yeah, around the world? They live in LA. They love to play <laughs> up from the back. Um, uh, it gives you a lot of options, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, anyways, but they, they the, the goalkeeper hit it away one touch. And, you know, he came off. And on, you know, some of the coaches were just like, hey, you should look to play there. And, again, when you offer a different, you know, perspective as a coach and as a goalkeeper-specific coach, you understand 
you know, specific moments you're like, Hey, you know, risk first reward. I know you want me to play a certain way, but even if I find somebody, I'm going to have to sprint across the goal, ask for a one touch ball back. And I'm gonna do the exact same thing. I just did, you know, on, on a decision that I made. So I went up to him. I just said, you know, what did you see there? And he said, you know, they want me to play out of the back, but I didn't feel comfortable. I said, good. I would rather you be decisive with your instincts and clear it away versus trying to try something uh, else. And then they're going to blame you for making a mistake where you already knew the instinct was to, you know, clear it away. So I think it's understanding like the, the fine moments for myself as a coach too, of like when to step in and be not critical, like not, not, not to crit critique, but more so like we're going for the same goal. Let me just give you the best tools and the best advice and the best feedback so that your instinct is never uh, fogged by anybody else's opinions. Your instinct should be your instinct and we're going to fine tune that. But at the end of the day, you need to be decisive with what you do because the coaching staff from top to bottom, they will critique you and they will say, this guy has a better instinct, this guy has better decision-making and you need to be comfortable with, at the end of the day, the, the final result. It, it's funny. I, I want to bring this up right now because you were just bringing up playing out of the back. And uh, here's an example of where your instinct is to clear the ball, but that wasn't the effective situation right now. So I, I think I want to bring up kind of paint the picture for everybody who's listening right now, but basically this is RSL in Colorado and uh, Lala's turn. Yep. This is spot. the one. Yeah. Yep. So Lala's plays the ball back to you, Will, and then you're being chased right here. The touch was a little heavy. It was a little away from you. And you recognize that if you tried to clear that, he could try to make a play on that ball. So uh, this is all that time that you spent in Mexico, dude, you've got that foot skill <laughs> and uh, the crossover. Look at that Cruyff turn right there. But all that did was, open up space and create space that now you can play a safe ball, right? Yeah. I mean, ideally you don't want to find yourself in, in that situation and almost give Sharpie a heart attack, which I've done more <laughs> than once now. But I think, I mean, that was my, my initial thought right there is he's coming in with speed. And if I try to clear it, he might get a touch on it and I might be in trouble. And knowing that, if I have the right amount of distance between myself and, you know, from his, his press with the speed he's coming at, it's so hard to stop. And so I know that by doing that, it'll give me, you know, um, you know, that chance to, to, to pop my eyes up forward again and see, you know, what my next move is going to be. But at the same time, it's not something that I do just for the fun of it, or it's, you know, in an uncomfortable situation, what do I have to do to get myself out of it? And um, I feel comfortable doing it sometimes, but then I have to be careful because as players start to, to, to get to know you, you know, then they, they, they'll start pressing and then they slow themselves down. So when they get to me, you know, thinking that I might do that to them and then I can get myself in trouble. So it's just kind of um, in reading the, reading his body language, the moment I, some it's instinct sometimes I know that one was 100% instinct and yeah you can't be showing those dudes with sharpie on here man <laughs> well, I mean dude Will I, I personally I thought it, I, I was playing devil's advocate right here I actually thought it was effective because the situation again sharpie you can I'm sure you can attest this I'm sure you guys had conversations about it but the touch was away from you and and if you had tried to clear that ball he was going to get a foot on that ball you know and, and again you know you're better off you have that skill set. If you have that skill set, know when to utilize it, you know? I, I think, again, from just a coach's perspective, you bring in the players because you know how they are, you know? I know that Will has that in him, um, you know, and, and he is going to be much more comfortable than other goalkeepers in the league with, with pressure and, and people close to him. Um, 
you know, that's part of the, the, the parcel. Like we said at the beginning, you, you bring people in to affect the way the team plays and, and, and how the head coach would like to see the game be played, especially, you know, if the goalkeeper is going to be part of the build-out, uh, which, you know, we are asking at our football club for that to happen. So, you know, look, it, it's, it is part of the game. Like Will said, you know, he recognises the guy was coming at pace. The, problem, the chances are he's not going to stop, you know, on a dime there. The ability to do that, keep the ball, play to Lalas, we keep the ball, we, we progress down the field. Um, you know, not something that, that Will does all the time, um, but it's in his locker if he needs it. And it's, giving, it's a tool that he has to get himself out of a situation if there is a, ever one to get in there, you know, so. But I love the fact, go ahead, Omar. No, no, I just, uh, to exactly what you're talking about here. For example, I, I, I tell people all the time, I love Peter Schmeichel. I watched him when I was you know, growing up. And I think as I've gotten older, I've rewatched some of that footage and I'm realizing a lot of the technique he's using, he didn't learn it as a goalkeeper, but also he's using it in emergency situations. And there was one that's like one of his most famous saves. He's coming across the goal against Inter Milan and there's a header from probably like six yards out, does the star jump, just makes himself big. It hits his left arm and it goes out. And I think, again, like we're talking about with Will, it's like you as a young kid, if your coach was like, hey, don't ever use that star jump. Hey, don't ever use that Cruyff turn. Then you're going to be completely stunted and that's not going to be an, an, an option for you so that you're going to be in those situations and you're going to be like, oh, crap, okay, I'm just going to take the hit here or I'm going to, the guy's going to take it away from me. But when you actually, again, young coaches, let your guys explore that and then ask them the proper follow-up questions so they understand why am I doing this? Why did I choose to do this? And then when they're in the game, again, I use Peter Schmeichel as the best example, but you could, you look at Manuel Neuer too. Like he does that, that big jump. He kind of like, you know, makes himself big. Uh, this past week, they score on him because, not because of it, but he probably could have maybe guessed one way and then, you know, may, maybe made the save, but still he makes the save sometimes and sometimes he doesn't. So I think you can't overanalyze and say, because he didn't make the save here, it's a terrible technique, scrap it. It's more so understanding the full scope, zoom out a little bit and see over the course of his career, how many times has, has that been effective? You know, actually, it's it's fun. It's funny you just said that, Omar, because uh, Will, I, I kind of I, I know you were kind of joking around about you know Sharpie being on the pod while we're showing that Cruyff turn. Bad. I, I wish I could do that, dude. But um, is that a scenario where if if that wasn't effective, if it if it led to a goal as opposed to you playing it now, you you would get in your mind and go, oh, I'm never going to do that again because it's not effective. No chance. Okay. No chance. I mean. Every keeper, every keeper has his own style, knows the tools he has, knows what works for him and what doesn't. And I think that's just part of the personality of, of, of every keeper. Like Omar said, what Peter Schmeichel used to do. I mean, I think he had some kind of a, uh, what was that other sport he played? Hand, he was, handball. What was that? Handball. 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 Yeah. And so he has that technique from handball and it's something that works for him. You can't take that away from him. It's part of his personality. The same thing with the, the way Neuer makes himself big. I mean, your technique isn't always going to work for you. There's there's uh, there's a, a clip for me in, in, in Mexico. I tried doing that, and they took the ball away from me, and they scored. But it doesn't change, it, not because I made one mistake. It, it makes me lose confidence and say I'm never going to do it again. And um there's just things that you have that are part of your personality and part of your, your style of play that it would be foolish to, to, you know, get rid of it because of one mistake you make. You know, Suska, I want to ask you this because, you know, I know that we need to start wrapping up and you need, you need to get going because you got a lot of people congratulating you about that PAC 12 championship and you got to start planning for that NCAA tournament. Um, is, uh, 
you know, we, we've been talking about being effective and we have really haven't really been talking about technique. And, you know, so maybe some, you know, young coaches out there or parents might be listening and hearing like, oh, technique doesn't matter. You listen to this podcast. These, these guys are just saying, just keep it out of the net. Um, why don't you kind of explain how they, they can kind of go hand in hand where you still can work on the technical aspect, but recognize that it's not the end all end all. No, you always have to, there's a base of goalkeeper technique, period. And any goalkeeper coach is going to, there's a certain way to do things, body weight forward, your, you know, angles and stuff like that. There's certain things that just that, that, that's the basics, you know? Um, and you, you have to have those. Um, each goalkeeper is going to be different in how they handle it, um, their size, their, their athleticism, their approach to things. And, and you have to, identify that not everybody it's not a cookie cutter situation not everybody's going to be Schmeichel not everybody's going to be Neuer not everybody's going to be you know who you know whoever and so you you have to adapt those those basics to the individual um and some people are going to do things like you know whether it's the spin move to get up you know or or not whether it's the k save which you know I hate um, but if they have it down and the timing down, then good on them, you know, um, and so on and so forth. But I think that, you know, the basics are the most important. This isn't a free for all. Um, you know, um, we have to work on those things and ingrain the understanding of why you're doing things like Omar says, why did you do this? Like, why did you come through for the through ball? Why did you hold yourself up? Why did you go for 50-50? Why did you jockey them? Why did you come for that cross? Why did you box it? Why? There, there are reasons for things. It's not a free-for-all. And so when you, we can educate goalkeepers on why they're doing certain things and understanding the game, it's a chess game, and understanding how to manipulate everything in front of you, then that's another level. Omar, I absolutely loved what you said, you know, earlier. And I don't, I don't know if I, you know, got, got a chance to really, really congratulate you on just such a brilliant, brilliant thought in regards to young coaches jump. out. No, it's true though, dude. Look, look, I mean, we can see your knees. You're in a very comfortable position right now. You know, you're, you're, you're relaxing after I give you that praise. Um, but, uh, but, but it, it's so true. And, and Sharpie, I'm sure that this is something that, that I, I, I'm sure you've worked on as, as a coach throughout all your years too, is that making sure that when you give praise, that there is some sort of an element of the desire to let the goalkeeper understand why they're getting praise rather than just giving them praise. Like it can be all, you I mean, you know, it's great to be all lovey dovey, but if the goalkeeper doesn't learn from why that is, then they're just going to just think good, bad, and but there's no such thing as good or bad. They, they need to know why. I'm I'm huge, and and we will attest this. I'm huge in in the sessions of always checking for understanding. Like the the guys will always mistake or 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 very good action. Um, and I I love that part of it. But I'm asking the guys, why am I like that? Why do I get because? And I'm not saying you're in a great spot. It's a great save. You, you've done well. Well, what did you do? whatever it looks like, you know, Clint, what did you do? Um, the same goes on the backside of it for the, for the, um, you know, for, for the mistake. It won't be, you were too far over, you were too far near post, you were too deep, you were too high. You tell me what, you tell me why. That, you know, and, and for me, if they understand exactly in that moment and feel in that moment what they did and didn't do, for me, you'll find that their growth becomes, you know, uh, uh, much quicker 
over that short amount of time you get to touch them you know and i think like like uh you said before oh you do a lot of the individual stuff you know that that checking for understanding constantly you know as well as you know being excited when they do things well and, and having them understand why they're doing things well i think is a huge part to growth because it, it fuels confidence very very quickly and excuse my french guys but that no, 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 dude. I get, uh, I get very excited. About, Will, Will, you know, this is history right here, dude. You're literally on the first episode ever where someone's dropped an f bomb. So, uh, so congratulations there. This is the kind of excitement you get from Sharpie. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. man. Uh, like last ahead, thing, this the last thing I'll say is that like, you know, I think I was I was talking to like one of our sports performance guys, and he was telling me that like there are certain days where they're gonna ramp up and. It's like the professional world, so I'm still not used to that at the private stuff versus professional. Even college too, we have three games a week. It's just like they play a game, they have a day off. For us, it's like okay, we have a game on a weekend. Omar, then it's pretty we have hard to Tuesday. keep this a secret if you just keep talking about what's going on. <laughs> okay, but it's gonna, hopefully, what I mean though is that like you know, speaking to him, he said, yeah, there's going to be days, Omar, where you're going to have to, you're going to work these guys, and there's going to be days when you slow it down. And I was like, well, I'm just so used to go, go, go. And he's like, well, what I would recommend is, you know, maybe on these certain days, you add some more instruction in between your reps. And just like something as simple as that, where I was like, oh, my God, that's so simple. But I understand that now, instead of me being my voice all the time, just even bring them in. And Sharp, you did this last time I saw you train. And, and you know, the guys were all coming in. They were speaking to each other. They were not, uh, I say the word critique a lot, but they were just literally giving feedback on each other and certain things. And I was just like, why isn't Chris stepping in? Like, why is he not? in the discussion. And I remember asking him on the podcast, I said, Chris, why don't you, he's like, Omar, like if I'm always involved, like these guys will literally think that if I'm not there, not, I'm paraphrasing, but like, if I'm not there, they can't, they can't handle it. But essentially I'm just going to let them do them. They're going to discuss it and they may share ideas with each other that I may not have on that moment. So I think for me, that was the understanding of like, damn, sometimes you say more by saying nothing. And sometimes I have kids who look at me and they just go, is he pissed? Like, why is he not? I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to say anything. You, you, it, the ball went in between your legs. Like, what am I going to tell you in that moment? That's yeah. going to either uplift you or make you even, you know, more upset that you made the mistake. You figure it out. And then after the fourth to fifth, you know, set, we discuss it. And I think from that moment, I've had so many like, uh, aha moments of these kids coming up to me and saying, you know what? Yeah. That first rep was bad, but by the second or third rep, I feel like I really, really was able to to understand which balls I should try and catch, which balls I should try and steer. And then when you hear that, you just go, oh my God, yes, I, I need you to tell me that. So it's not just my voice all the time. Yeah. So now all the goalkeepers at UCLA understand why Suski just stands there. Just but, but just just but just behind them. She 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 Not stands there. She she stands there and then she reveals everything she was thinking in those moments, good, bad, and different on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Man, some of the things I'll tell you, if those girls listen to this podcast, they would probably be going straight to admissions and saying, Look, Saskia is, is letting it all out on the podcast. Will uh if anybody uh, out there wants to kind of you know follow your journey uh that's going on uh with you now in Colorado, um, you know, congrats on the move. Obviously, it seems like it's been very successful, um, you know, after a fantastic career uh, in, in Liga Mekis. Um, where's the best place on social media for people to check you out? Yeah, man. Um, all I have is is Instagram. If I get on Twitter, I get ramped up and not good, man. So, and he starts dropping F-bombs F like I, I start <laughs> dropping my F-bombs on Twitter. Um, no, nah, I just have Instagram. It's uh, William P. Yarbrough. Awesome. And yeah, I tried to check you out on Twitter and I realized that the last post was like in 2017. I'm like, oh, he's not going to see this. This is probably kind of kind of a waste of a uh, waste of time. Yeah. Sharpie, 
Sharpie, obviously core goalkeeper academy is the best place for you, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, last, last time we did this, guys, I had a ton of questions in the inbox. So anybody watching again, please, you know, I'll get to them. Um, but, you know, I, I had 30 or 40 questions last time on the topic we were talking about. But, you know, please, if you guys have questions or, or want to share stories, you know, the, at Core Goalkeeping Academy is the best place to get me at. Chris, those were oh. all my, uh, my burner accounts. Just trying to follow follow questions. I don't want to hit you with all thirty questions at once. Oh, oh my and I, gosh! That's a nightly text from you, pal. <laughs> at Saskia underscore Weber on all social media platforms. Uh, Omar, what's the what's the website for the uh, for the team that you've been training with right now, so that we can use that? No, I'm just totally totally kidding. <laughs> at Pro GK Academy just underscore. Omar, just pop the background up. <laughs> I know this is probably not good for, for me right now with the Colorado Rapids behind my head. <laughs> it's the best club, mate. It's the best club. It's okay. Competi- competition. Uh, contact at insidethe18media.com if you have a guest suggestion or a topic suggestion or at Goalkeeper Podcast on all social media platforms. Shout out to Jake Davis, uh, goalkeeper coach over at UVA, uh, who brought up the topic of uh, effective goalkeeping this past week on social media. And I said, we're going to steal that for the show. And he said, go ahead. Uh, that's all the time on Inside the 18 and we are out. Later, guys. Hey, everyone, it's Michael. Before we move on to our next segment, want to remind you all to rate and review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Literally takes 10 seconds and immediately makes you eligible for prizes. If you don't have an iPhone, borrow a friend's iPhone. It's just that easy. Thanks for all the support, and on with the show. Welcome to Inside the 18. I'm Michael Madgett, live from Hollywood, California. With me, you know her as Pac-12 champion, the one and only 99 World Cup winner, Suskia Weber, uh, <laughs> a man, a man who's made a collage as if he's in a first grade art project right now of all the different clubs, uh, not all of the clubs, but most of the clubs that, uh, that our next guest, uh, right here, who's going to be our guest panelist today, uh, has participated with, uh, guys, you know, him, you love him. Uh, this is a big treat for me. This is one of the guys I looked up to, uh, when I was a younger player, uh, the one and only Marcus Hahnemann is joining us on inside the 18. What's up, man? Hey, thanks for having me. We're uh, we're excited about this, man. I, actually, it's really funny. I had a actually a, a guy who's been playing in MLS, and now he's uh, on loan with Indy Eleven, and uh, and he sends out this message, and he goes, he's like, Marcus is coming on the show. He's like, oh man, he's like, I've got a chiropractic appointment at the same time, but uh, can you let him know? that when I was growing up, he was my goalkeeping hero. Uh, at one U- U.S. men's national team camp in New Jersey, he signed a photo for me, and still to this day, I have that photo on my bedroom wall back in New Jersey. He's a legend. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty cool, man. I, I'm, sure, I'm sure you get things like that all, all the time from people, but uh, it's always so funny. I mean, I know, Suskia, you know, we've had this happen even with yourself, you know, obviously on the show, when, uh, when some of the you know, goalkeepers who are playing at the professional level now have been like, yeah, I met you when I was 11 and stuff like that. And, you know, I mean, you just honestly just don't know, like the kind of impression that you're going to make on, on kids. It's really, yeah, cool. no, for sure. You know, that's why you always have to keep it in check. Be humble. Yeah. And, Mar- uh, Marcus, and I just, I'm going to ask him a Go question, ahead. Marcus. I just started working with, uh, with Steve Chirundolo and do you have any stories for me? Anything that, uh, Steve you can mention to tomorrow? 
Um, I think I was his roommate. Where were we? We were in France, maybe, or something like that. And then the last night, we always usually go out and do a couple of uh, crazy things. And um, it was a pretty late night. And uh, we came back to the hotel room. I sat down and passed out, woke up in the morning, and I had a giant chew in my mouth still. Slept all night with the chew in my mouth. <laughs> Um, yeah, that was, uh, that was a long time. He <laughs> <laughs> usually was the instigator with most things. By the way, Omar, I love the fact that you've been trying to keep the secret and then you just drop a bomb. Like I was working with Steve Chirundolo. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> At this point, people will probably figure it out, but. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there, there's two teams in LA. It, 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 <laughs> It's pretty easy to figure pretty easy to figure that out. Uh, I guess obviously there sounds like there's gonna be an announcement coming soon. So uh, we'll discuss that. But uh, before we kind of get into uh, Omar's uh, you know uh, quest to become the greatest goalkeeper coach in all of the world as he thought he was when he first started coaching college. Uh, Marcus, for some people out there who might kind of not be familiar with kind of your journey, um, I think it's really cool, honestly, for a lot of young goalkeepers to hear this. Um, why don't you tell them a little bit about how the fact that you know you started out at Div two and then how you ended up in the Prem? Well, I almost didn't even start off at Division Two. I was I took my ASVABs to go in the Marine Corps um, when I was 18. The only reason why I didn't go do it was because I had to be 19 to get into flight school. Um, so next thing you know, they're like, well, what other options do you have? And I go, well, I got, I've been talking to Cliff McGrath at you know, SPU. And um, so I ended up going there. So it turns out it was a, uh, a pretty good choice. Um, you know, um, I wish I could say I still I didn't have a, I never had a real job, but I, I've had a real job and tried that. And, uh, <laughs> and it wasn't, you know, I'd kind of fell into that kind of because I had a buddy who was a, in a gaming company and needed some servers. And I go, well, you're not doing anything to you talk to my buddies who sell that stuff. Right. That's how it all happened. And Paul Stratford, who's Rooney's agent, called me up and goes, hey, he goes, I got uh, I got some guys coming out. Don't tell anybody that. They're coming to watch you play, but they're going to go watch you play New York Red Bulls. So, well, luckily we had someone sent off in the first 10 minutes. So I was super busy. We still won the game. We sneaked one at the end, super busy. And next thing you know, I was on a, uh, a flight in a week and which my wife still makes fun of me. And because, you know, all of a sudden you're, I thought something was going to happen at the end of the year going to Fulham and next thing you know they're like no no we need you here season starts Monday or preseason starts Monday you're gone and you know hop on a flight make my wife move everything back to uh Seattle and we're still still dealing with those boxes today <laughs> we just moved again and, they're, and then as you're pulling boxes out you're like when is this from and you're like oh my gosh these are old Diodora shoes I had back. <laughs> and I we get promoted to the Premier League and then I'm like, oh, I'm one red card away from playing in the Premier League and I'm sitting home watching Sky Sports News and um, in Seattle sitting on someone's, I think my parents' house and then I see uh, Fulham side, Edward Vandesar. I'm like, oh, great. Here we go. Right. <laughs> oh. oh my gosh. That's uh, Edwin Vandesar, the bane of all American goalkeepers' existence. You're like, <laughs> when... <laughs> well, uh, the best probably, you know, and I think he's t one of the top, you know, three goalkeepers of all time, I think still, and probably will be forever. He was amazing. And 
Um, but it, 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 that enabled me to go on loan. And I went on loan to Rochdale for a month and had a great month. That was League Two. And I was somewhat hesitant about doing that because I felt like, oh, I shouldn't drop down to leagues, but it was still a pro, pro league. And it, you know, it mattered to everybody there. And, you know, at the time, I'd just been playing reserve team games. And so a chance to go play and it was in Manchester. And, um, you know, I, I showed up on a Friday night, didn't know anybody because it's league two. You don't know anybody on the team. Right. And, you know, wait, getting meeting everybody in the locker room on a Saturday morning. And I'm like, who's the back four? You know, I just wanted to figure out who the back four was and who was going to be in front of me. I didn't even bother learning anyone else's name. So that's how, that's how quick it happened. And it was just an awesome, awesome experience, which that, you know, led to then me going to Reading uh, on loan and, um, and, then, uh, and then signing with them. And then uh, kind of the, one of the really cool stories about Reading is they came to watch me play. And I was supposed to be playing in a reserve team game. And so they're like three different coaches showed up and they heard I played really well at Rochdale, but um, came to watch me play. Well, I had a phone call um, by Jerry Payton, who was the goalie coach at, at Fulham at the time. And he goes, hey, Mike Taylor, because um, Edwin was playing all the games. Mike Taylor wanted to play in the reserve team game because he had a Northern Ireland game that weekend. And I'm like, oh, great. No problem. I go, um, yeah, that sounds great. I go, well, I'll go warm him up. And he goes, no, you don't have to do that. I mean, they'd never send, you know, an older player to go be a backup for a reserve team game, right? And I'm like, no, I'll go do it because I know Mike's really particular about his warm-ups. And if one of the kids is going, and now I know Jerry Payton's not going, he's going to have a disaster. And I want him ready for the Northern Ireland game. So I go, I'll go do it. Well, unbeknownst to me, the Reading team shows up. So now they show up and they're, you know, they get the team sheet. I'm not playing, but they're like, but he's on the bench. So they're like, what? This doesn't make sense. And then I'm out there warming up Mike. They see me. I'm putting cones up, doing everything that he likes. And they're like, what is going on? Like, why is he doing this? And they're watching my warm up, Mike Taylor. And then, you know, I went in goal for a little bit while he went in to go change. And, and so I got a couple of shots. And then I had all the balls that were now like in the net or, or that area. And one of the kids started to put him in the bag. I go, no, take the bag, go to the halfway line, and I'll kick him to you. So I, so I side volley every ball to him, right? He takes the ball, throws them in the bag, right? Each one. And uh, Hardu, um, Kevin Dillon, Wally Downs were the coaches at the time. And Nick Hammond, who was the goalie coach, I think they all came. And they're like, that'll do. Let's go. So they signed me on my warm-up of Mike Titan. What? That's amazing. (laughs) Dude, that's one of the greatest stories I've ever heard. Like so you, that's like something you put in a movie and people are like, well, this is fantasy. This, this would never, this would <laughs> never happen. Now, uh, Omar, now don't, aren't you happy that you do such great warmups? Isn't that uh, the whole reason that you did it? <laughs> I want to hear the rest of this. Let's see what else happened. <laughs> um, I said whole game. That was oh. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm gonna make sure I don't do good warm-ups because I'm too old to get a phone call to play for anybody. Right now. <laughs> so, my first practice with uh, with Reading, we're at we're training, and um, you know they they saw my kicking and stuff like that, and they goes, okay, we're gonna kick, we're gonna kick to the right side to Butler. This is how we're gonna set kick, right? And I'm like, okay, I go, you want it from the ground or my hands? And he goes, uh, let's go from the ground first, or, or for my hands first, I think. And so I go side volley it, and uh, and then Alan Pardue standing, you know, ten yards over the halfway line, you know, or five yards, and he's like, got his hand up. Okay, can you hit me? And I blast 
over his head about 10 yards. And I go, I can take a bit off if you want. And that was the, that was how that, that went. So um, when I caught the ball, I kicked it as far as I could every time pretty much. That, I mean, dude, these, these stories are incredible, man. I mean, honestly, Marcus, like the cool thing about this, especially is that you were talking about the fact that you were had just, I think just, you know, and I think we've talked about this on the show before, but like having that decency of, as the goalkeeper union, you're like, no, if a kid goes over there, he's not going to get the right warm up. You cared more about the goalkeeper. You weren't thinking about your own needs at the time. You were thinking about him. And because of that, the universe basically get, you know, provided in my opinion. Well, and, you know, everything happens for a reason, right? And, uh, I mean, that goalkeeper union definitely matters to me. And and it's difficult, right? It's a difficult position to play because you either play or you don't play. And getting your shot, um, I definitely think you have to earn that spot. And, um, you know, and I got a, long, a lot of young goalies that are like, oh, well, how come I should be on that team? And you're like, ah, well, you need to earn that. You know, every day you need to earn it in training. And I go, and... I know the other coach likes the other goalie, but if you're better than him, he doesn't want to lose games. Like, I, you know, people still think that there's that much bias, right? And, you know, certain things happen in my career where, you know, they're definitely, you know, I got, um, I got let down by a coach because, you know, they ended up giving a spot to somebody else and there wasn't that competition, right? You, you definitely, you know, there's always little things like that that happen, but it is, it is what it is, right? And, you know, I mean, I played for 20 years. I played at, you know, a higher level than I ever thought was even imaginable. And um, it's pretty awesome. And now, you know, being able to train, you know, goalies, you know, I, I train, you know, the crossfire goalies a couple days a week up in, you know, up in Washington. It is, it is awesome. The only reason why I do it is because I have, I have boys and girls who love coming out to my practices and they make it so fun. And, you know, I had to talk to a parent the other night and, um, they were like, you know, trying to figure out the next year the you know, the girl's going to be on a combined team and they're trying to figure out, you know, where she sits. And I go, well, I hope she's, she stays because I love her at practice. Right. She's one of the reasons that I enjoy going there because she's, she's always laughing and, you know, and smiling and she works hard and, you know, and, you know, I think she definitely has potential and, you know, and there's one of those kids right now, who's a junior, who's just kind of in this funky spot that because of COVID and all these different things, they don't have a school lined up, you know, and you feel pretty bad for these kids because it's, you know, when are they going to, you know, if, it, if things had been different, they would have had a lot more exposure and they would have had a, you know, for sure a spot already lined up. So definitely going to be some, uh, some question marks up in the air where they go and, you know, if they can find a good spot for them. You know, Joe, I'm glad. I'm glad you brought that up. I mean, you know, I know Susky and Omar. I know both. You know, both of you have also had that that similar experience. You know, in, in the past year or so, you know, working with different goalkeepers, and it has been, you know, a challenge in regards to the youth game. You know, Omar, I know you've been dealing with this just in the simple factors, like especially working with a lot of high school kids that are looking for a school, and they haven't really been able to get a lot of game tape this past year. You know, because the everyone's kind of been in in a different situation in regards to to who they can play with and when they can play and all of that sort of thing. Yeah. I mean, I've been trying to, I mean, as best as I can provide as much film for them as, as you know, I see fit and when we do sessions, I film everything. So at least they have something on camera to, to show coaches. And again, we talk about game like scenarios. So I do as much as I can where, you know, you could see, 
in the film, what are the decisions and what do they decide to do in certain moments? So hopefully at that point, they can at least walk away from this time period without, you know, at least they have something tangible that they can offer coaches. So, uh, but it is difficult. I definitely find kids who reach out and say, Hey, do you know anywhere I can play? You know, I'm, I'm going to be a freshman this year. Do I go to a JC? What do I do? So it is definitely a tough situation, but uh, I'm, I'm just hoping everything, every, everything goes back to normal pretty soon. You know, and, and it seems to be moving in that direction. I mean, I, I want to kind of tra- transition over and into this thing here because Marcus, you and Suskie obviously both played. Omar and I have no leg to stand on in this one. You know, like sitting sitting on benches <laughs> in the USL is not even close to what you two did. Um, and and Suskie, we've actually had this conversation, you know, with you before in the past in regards to when you've been a world-class player like yourself or, or Marcus and played at the highest level, you know, how many players who have been at your at your level have had difficulty transitioning into working into the grassroots level you know um i think the transitions it there's so much that goes into it and it's not just you know oh okay i'm going to stop playing i'm going to go coach and first of all not everybody makes a great goalkeeper coach sorry um you can be a great player but it doesn't mean that you know you have the ability to kind of verbalize and really transition um into that and and after playing for so long and at such a high level you know i had to take a pause like you know i took a 15 year pause um you know am i happy i'm back absolutely but i think that you know you know that transition is hard across the board and you have to make sure you're doing it when you're absolutely ready to do it and not just because it's the thing to do and and um you don't know what else to do um, figure it out, but do it right. Marcus, do you feel like that means effect? And by the way, step in any time, any time you want. Um, do you feel like the fact that you have these extra, you know, extracurriculars going on and I don't mean them in, in a derogatory way, extracurriculars, but they are away from the game. You know, I mean, you know, you even joked about it, you know, you're like, what topic should we talk about? You're like, ah, we can do, you know, fly fishing. We can do motorcycles. We can do planes, helicopters, all that sort of thing. Do you think that allows you the fact that to have that freedom that to stay involved in the game and not feel restricted by, you know, your identity being, oh, I'm Marcus Hahnemann, the former Premier League men's national team goalkeeper? Well, one is, I mean, it's kind of comes down to ego a little bit, but I remember we were doing, uh, before the South Africa World Cup, we had uh, uh, Tim, Brad Guzan and myself, and we were doing an interview with Grant Wall, and he's like, why do we have, you know, at the time we had all, we were all playing in England, and I think Casey was still playing there. Um, Was he still, maybe he wasn't, but we had, you know, a lot of American goalies over there and he asked uh, what makes a good you know what do you need to be a world-class goalie and Tim Howard's like oh you have to be a great athlete and my response was bullshit I go because I'm not a great athlete right and I guess I, I I have some pictures where you know I'm about like it looks like I'm about four feet off the ground at Tottenham coming for a cross with uh with Crouch there uh but you know it wasn't one of those things that I ever relied on my quickness or my athletic ability, right? I had good size, but it was my, my positioning. And then, you know, when I kind of retired, then came back home and the Sounders like, Hey, you want to come back? And I'm like, well, I haven't played for six months. Um, let me go train with Tommy, the goalie coach, and we'll see how it goes. And, um, and Chris Henderson, um, who I played with in Colorado, he was, you know, the director of football and now he's moved down to Florida to do that. And, um, all these different things. And he goes, man, it's just really hard to score on you. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, you're always standing in the right spot. 
And I'm like, don't tell anyone my secret, please, right? <laughs> and so everyone has a different way of doing it, right? And um, that's always been a, a really big thing with me. And we talked about the goalkeeper union earlier. I had a, I had a goalie, Jamie Young, who was um, Australian, who came, who was at, came to Reading as a 15 or 16-year-old. You know, they brought him over and to go in the youth system. Well, the problem with Jamie was he never grew. So now he's a, he's a super small six footer, right? You know, he grew, he was, he was that size when he was, you know, 15, 16 and never grew again. He was like, oh, they're telling me I'm too small. And I go, well, why? And he goes, well, on crosses. And I go, well, then you have to make crosses your strength. He goes, you're, you're, you jump higher than I do. Like if your timing's good, right. Then, and you come and catch all the crosses, right. Well, guess what? After you keep putting your team on counterattack after counterattack, every time you come catch a cross, eventually the coach will tell the, their team to stop hitting it on top of you. And at that stage, the game becomes easy again because now you're not forced to make decisions. But if they think, I don't know if you guys probably remember Gomez, right, who played for Tottenham. And he, you know, he's always, you know, all this theatrics. And every time there was anybody touching him on a corner kick, he started freaking out. Well, guess what happens? Everybody goes to touch him every time, right? And when we played him, and he was a good goalie, but every time we played him, they're like, hit everything on top of him. And then everybody was standing on him, right? Because he hated it. Well, if you just look comfortable and come catch the cross, they'd go, well, stop hitting it to the goalie. We only did that because it, he looks uncomfortable. And then the game becomes difficult because he has to make a decision, which the decisions are the hard part of what we do. It's everything else is easy. You know, a shot, that's easy. You know, you just, it's going to my left. I just die. And if I can get it, I get it. That's it. Right. There's no, it's, there's no complexity to that across coming in with bodies in the way. That is something that you can ask your goalie to try to be confident, but it is impossible to get that until they, you know, they start catching a whole bunch of crosses and, and learning how to do it and get their timing, right. They're jumping all those different things. Well, Jamie young is still playing in Australia because his timing became really well. And now he's 37, 38 years old, where, at, you know, at Reading, they were like, ah, he's too small. He's not going to go anywhere. And then he started playing non-league. Next thing you know, I mean, he's still playing professionally. And he was goalie of the, of the year down in Australia in the league he's playing in, right? You know, those type of things for somebody who was told he's too small. And, you know, because he does it a little bit differently than everyone else. It's, you know, that's what you have to figure out. And when I coach my kids, there's like, okay, there's some technique things we do and, you know, all these little different steps. And, you know, I teach all my kids, you know, when they catch the ball, when they, they to extend their bottom arm, when they dive and they're like, but that doesn't make sense. And I go, well, if you watch some of the best goalies in the world, they do that. And, but what it teaches you is it teaches you to extend your dive, to go past the ball. It, it, it tells everybody, well, it, it teaches you how to stay, keep your body in line and because when I learned, I used to catch the ball and pin the ball. Well, every time I pin the ball, my legs would come around. Uh -huh. And then you get in that issue where all of a sudden that ball's low in the corner and you're so used to landing with your arms in tight that it's hard to really extend your arm completely into the corner and finish it, finish like that. You know, those type of things where a lot of goalie coaches don't like doing that. And because they're like, well, now my goalie's not catching stuff. You know, one of the other goalie coaches. And I go, well, I go, he's, they're still allowed to catch it. And you know, it's, we use it as a training thing and people are like, well, I don't like it. And I go, well, we're doing it in training when we're doing our side to sides and our diving and different things. And then in the game, 
if you catch the ball and you swing your feet all the way around, you think I'm going to run out there, slap you in the head and go, you didn't do it right? No, it doesn't matter, right? But for training, it's teaching you the proper technique to finish a, finish a save and do all these things and, and to get used to landing with your arm extended. And, you know, those type of little things that, that I, no one taught me, I kind of just did when I was about, after I was about 35 years old. And you're like, well, we should maybe be teaching these kids this. Now that granted, that wasn't my idea. That was Paul Barron's idea. And we're at the soccer camp and, you know, we, at a soccer camp, you have this level from, you know, a, a kid who's got his shin guards outside of his socks to, you know, to really, um, you know, ECNL kids. And, and he goes, yeah, we're going to teach kids this. And I was looking at him like, are you kidding me? Like, this isn't going to work. Well, after two days, you had the kid who has his shot as um, socks underneath the shin guards. He's going full stretch into the corner, saving a ball. And my mind was blown. I'm like, how does that kid do that? He's got his arm extended, saving that shot. That would, you know, that's a world-class save. But of a kid who's, this is his first goalkeeper coaching he ever had after three days. And you're like, huh. One of the things that I just love about what you just said right there is just, you know, the practicality. And because this is something that we've been discussing on the show over and over again between, you know, Omar Suski and myself, is that if, is it effective? I mean, we just even literally did an episode, you know, um, with Chris Sharp from Colorado Rapids and William Yarbrough on Monday about being effective, you know, and Omar, I know that this is something that actually you've really been trying to work on with young goalkeeper coaches. When you talk to them is like, make sure that what you're teaching is effective for that goalkeeper. Yeah. And the only, the only way I actually, can actually verbalize that with confidence is that I was that goalkeeper coach who just said, Hey, this is how it's going to be done. We're going to do it my way. And that's it. And, you know, I come from a Hispanic background and, and early on my uncle played in Mexico. So he was my first goalkeeper coach and I learned from him. I mean, I had to learn the block save. I learned extending, we're flying over ropes and stuff. And then that's how I was taught. Then I got to the galaxy and our goalkeeper coach was very, you know, uh, American, but also a lot of English as well. So we were being taught proper technique, proper distribution. He was teaching us all these different things. And I even tell, I tell the story. He always says, Omar, how many American goalkeepers in the Premier League? I said a few. And he's like, how many uh, Mexican goalkeepers in the Premier League? And I would say uh, none. He's like, then you tell me which way is the proper way. So he ingrained that in my head that like the, the way you're supposed to do it is the way the Americans do it, the way we're taught. And then I got to coaching and I was like, this is how it's going to be done. We're only going to do it this way. And then again, I got some pushback and, it, and that's when I realized I'm like, damn, I'm, I'm, you know, hindering people from reaching their fullest potential because now when you're, Marcus, you're talking about extending. If I'm teaching them don't extend, then in their head, instinctually, they're not going to play off instinct anymore. They're going to have that mental block and they're always going to, you know, I guess, second guess themselves. And as a goalkeeper, like you said, those minor decisions, those minute seconds, those mean that means the world. So I think that's when I realized that, you know what, goalkeeping needs to be uh, efficient and it needs to get the job done. And if you get the job done, yes, there are fundamental principles. Like Sasko always says, there are certain things that you have to be good at. But at the end of the day, if you bring your own flair to the game, you bring your own style and you get the job done, who am I to say any different? Yeah. You know, and, and one, one thing, you know, Sasko, in, in regards to the fact that, you know, and very similar to Marcus, the fact that the fact that you've been there, the fact, the fact that you've seen it, seen it all, you know, I think allows somebody like yourself or Marcus to kind of bring something a little bit different to the table than maybe somebody that's just coaching on concept. You know, you've you've seen what's worked and what hasn't worked. Not saying that people that haven't played at the highest level can't work with youth, can't work with elite youth or, or whatever, but, but it, you do bring something special to the table in that regard. 
Well, I mean, to go back on what Marcus is talking about, I'm going to get all book on you guys. It's actually Newton's theory. So the bottom line is that you don't try, you don't try to stop a um, velocity by a solid, by a solid wall, because the velocity of whatever's coming at you is going to blow through that wall. So if you're, if you're diving for something and extending, you don't try to corral a shot with, with a, like try to corral it and pin it because you're going against the energy of your body and the energy of the ball coming at you. If you follow through, if you stand through the ball, you're changing the directory of the energy from the ball with the energy of your body. Now you're catching through it. That slows the ball down and it actually helps you control the ball better, whether you catch it, whether you parry it or whatever it is. Trying to corral something coming at you with pace while your body's moving and now trying to hold it it doesn't make sense. And so, you know, you'll bobble the ball. Yes. Your feet will come, the rest of your body will come around and that be like, and that, that also goes back to, you know, don't fight the flow of your body, like go with it. Um, and I agree with you hundred percent. I totally disagree with Timmy. It does not take a, 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 you don't have to be an amazing athlete to be a great goalkeeper. You have to be athletic. You have to have some athleticism, but you know, goalkeeping has evolved so much that position is, is key. It's paramount. Um, understanding your limitations, understanding what you excel at. Um, timing is everything, especially with crosses. Um, and so on. And so um, I totally agree with you, Marcus, on that. Um, I also I, I've always trained for people to follow through um, on an on an extension dive or a save, never trying to hold the ball. It's the same thing as if you're going to pick up the ball. You know, you have kids, they go and pick up a low ball and they try to you ever see kids. They try to put a foot down and go back the opposite direction. And you're like, just pick up the ball and keep walking. Like, you know, what I mean, like, just keep going with your body. If somebody's in the way, knock them over. But don't fight your energy. Don't fight your body and go through it. One thing, you know, I think what, again, what Marcus was talking about too, like Corelio Gomez, honestly a legend. I mean, that guy could throw the ball 90 yards, has a little mouthpiece. I just to watch him all the time. But uh, he, you know, again, like you said about crossing at a certain point, he's like six, five, he's a huge guy. So you would think aesthetically, you would be like, okay, optics show that he's going to be good at, uh, he's going to be good at crosses. And then you look at, again, I, we, we, I like to do cross sports stuff, but like Giannis Antetokounmpo, who's MVP for the NBA. And then you have LeBron James, like those two guys are athletic machines, athletic freaks. And then people started realizing these guys can't shoot from outside. So we're just going to play the zone, force them outside, force them to shoot. And you could see in the playoffs, they, they crumbled for a long time. LeBron crumbled as well against the Mavericks back in the day. Then you had Giannis this past summer. So you guys see all that stuff. And then those guys go into the gym and put the work in. And it's no different than us young goalkeepers who will go out there and realize, okay, they're picking out certain things. Like for me, it was, I'm not fast off my line. So I just play the ball over the top and then force the keeper to make a decision. Half the time I was sprinting ha halfway, they chip me or they'd square it across and they score. Then after a while, I was like, well, that's, as Sasko says, that's, I got to manipulate it so that it's not something that they can uh, expose me at. So I and think what that's do we do? What do we do to make the, make that fixed for you? Your starting position has to be different. So you're still comfortable and you still can't get um, done over top. Your timing on the through ball has to be better and everything. And that's not per se that you're an amazing, how many amazing athletes that I've had as goalkeepers that they don't get it. They don't, you know, they, they rely on their athleticism to make, like amazing saves. But at the end of the day, you know, that's just a small, small, small part of goalkeeping. Yeah. You know, it is. Yeah, it's, it's funny, you know, Marcus, you know, when, when we were just kind of, obviously we're discussing this right here. I love what you were just bringing back, back in regards to containment, just in regards to that. Like if you extend far out, 
because it's, I, 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 this is, this is myself personally, but I always, I always teach and I'm not saying I, I know the right way. Cause I don't think there is a right way, but it's all about containment. It's about containing the ball and making a quality play on the ball, you know? And I think there's just so much of a, because kids are so literal, when you say something like catch, they get limited into the regards to where they think they have to go to the ball and make a catch as opposed to extend to contain that ball. Cause then the ball is going to come inside and then you can hold on to the ball. You know, I mean, I was taught the W when I was growing up, right? I mean, it's simple thing like that. Well, guess what? You start coaching some, you know, some little kids, well, they can't catch the ball if they do a W because their hands aren't big enough. Uh-huh. So a lot of the girls, so then they end up being kind of a modified so they can actually catch the ball. So there's, you're like, okay, that's one way to do it. The only problem is, is you go this, we do want to catch the W because we can extend our arms completely. So there's a way to do it, right? If the ball's in tight, I might do that with my elbows out, but our elbows need to be in, right? You think of proper technique, then I can be in the W all the way from in here to full extension, right? Um, but there, you're right. There's so many different ways to do it when you look at, um, and, and that's just one aspect of the game, right? I mean, I'm having, um, now one of my goalies have played for a year and now they start playing games again, right? Where all they've been doing is just practicing, you know, five days a week. And now my coaches are asking, you know, going, what's wrong with your goalies? They keep making stupid decisions. And I'm like, well, why? And he goes, well, we're asking him to play. And I go, the last one, you know, I had a goalie, he's 35 yards from goal with the ball at his feet. And he ends up playing a ball straight to the forward. I'm like, why is he out that far? What is he doing? I mean, it is really, really, really important. And, and Omar, I know this is something that like you have specifically said is that again, we were talking about being effective, right? Like if you're going to play a certain way and by playing that certain way, you're not getting what you want out of the goalkeeper, then you have to adjust. You have to be willing to make adjustments, right? Yeah, no, for sure. But I think, again, we talk about, you know, that, that synergy between the goalkeeping department and the first team coach, you got to make sure that they are aligned. Your philosophies essentially are aligned with who you're bringing in, what kind of a style of goalkeeper you're trying to bring in that fits the system, but also too, like, you know, for example, um, we're talking about Marcus was just saying, you know, I was watching, I think a few months ago, Pep Guardiola, Ederson was playing the ball back and forth. Ederson plays the ball to somebody. He's like 25 yards off his line. They lose it and he gets chipped. And all the people are like, why is Ederson so high? And then Pep comes out and says, like Marcus was saying, no, like I want him to play there. It's not his fault. Like that's a bad uh, collection from the defender and mm-hmm. he's doing his job. So again, that's when you, when you know as a player as well that your, your coach has you in, in his corner, like he's going to support you, then that gives you the utmost confidence to take those chances in those tight moments. So again, there needs to be that synergy. Uh, but I think again, for me, you know, for example, uh, I was listening to Peter Schmeichel and they asked him on some on Sky Sports, like, what is it that, you know, uh, makes a top goalkeeper? And he was saying that I think his first few weeks at Man U, they were doing the uh, doing rondos and the coach was like, no, goalkeepers go do your thing. And he said, no, like, I'm I'm going to be with the team and do the rondos. And after he was out there for a few minutes, they were like, damn, OK, this guy's actually legit with his feet. Goalkeepers need to be involved in this just so we can actually, you know, get to see how their feet works. So we have more confidence. And then again, now you actually look back and, and uh, with the team I'm working for, I don't want to say the t- team yet, but I asked Steve, I said, Steve, is it okay? I, said, Steve, I don't want to say the name of the team, but I asked Steve, but I asked Steve and, and they were black and gold. And, uh... <laughs> but I asked, no. So I, I, so I asked Steve, I said, Steve, you know, 
our goalkeepers, they need to work with their feet. Do you mind in every session um, if the guys, can they can they start with you guys and you guys do, you know, 4v4 possession and then you have them on the end or have them in certain areas? Because I just feel like sometimes they don't think one step ahead of, okay, this guy has the ball. Where do I create space? Where do I go? Where does my first touch go? Uh, do I know where I'm going with this pass before I even receive it? They'd have never really been exposed to that. And one of the kids we have is, is played in Portsmouth for the last year. So in Portsmouth, he says, Omar, they've never told me to play out of the back. They actually got mad at me for doing that. So again, it's just like the as goalkeepers nowadays, you have it hard because some systems you want to play a certain way and so some systems are different. But if you can get that foundational piece of your good prep touch, your good vision, your good scanning, all those little things, you can adjust to any system. You know, it's funny, Saskia, you know, you know, obviously you being at, you know, the, at the highest level of collegiate right now with UCLA and things is that, you know, players that you bring in, you may not necessarily bring in players that, that are, that have the skill, all the skill sets that you're looking for. Um, you know, obviously because, you know, you could inherit players if you, let's say, you know, you come into a new coaching staff or, or whatever, but a lot of the times you may get players who do have the skill sets that you're looking for, but they've never been asked to do those things because the programs that they were coming from, the systems they were playing in, they were never asked to do that. And so now you have to almost reprogram them and make them go, no, the reason we brought you is because you can do this. But I want to tell you why. The why is so important. This is If you don't know why, then Marcus, like you're saying, is you're going to get caught in a situation where you're 35 yards up the field and you're going to end up clearing the ball anyway, and now you're out of position on the counter. So, you know, if they were going to clear the ball anyway, why are they playing so high? They might as well play deep. Yeah, I can't. There's I've had so many arguments with one players and coaches and and all sorts of stuff. But um, remember one in particular, they wanted us to play out of the back and we were playing against Stoke and they're, you know, Stoke, they don't have any players under six feet tall. So, you know, us kicking the ball and we were fairly successful because we just win the second ball. Well, then he's like, Hey, we got to play out of the back. Well, now that, that gap is there. And I kept playing the ball short and having to make a one-on-one save or saving a shot within 15 seconds. So I'm like, came in the locker room and I'm like, well, look, I go, if I can get the ball and I can distribute it out quickly to the sides, right out to one of the backs or the midfield, I'm going to play quickly. But if not, as soon as I make that decision to that, I'm going to kick the ball because it's not on because they're setting in the trap because I know what they're doing. Right. They're just playing off 10 yards. And then, um, you know, the reason why we're going to play out of the back, because we might not have defenders who are capable of playing out of the back. Um, and, uh, so, well, next thing you know, we're going to force to play out of the back and, you know, we end up losing the game. So, you know, all those things. And, you know, Johan Cruyff, somebody asked him at one stage, they go, well, you know, you, you said you, you didn't play your best 11. He goes, no, I never play the best 11. He goes, what do you mean? He goes, how can you not play the best 11? It's champions of the game. He goes, well, I need defenders and I need a goalie. I mean, that's so, that's so interesting that you, you just you just say that, Marcus, because I've, I've honestly never not even even thought about that before. And, and Suske, do you think that like it kind of in like that in the game kind of today that a lot of these players almost kind of I don't want to say that they want to show their their bag of tricks too much, but they're more thinking about what what can I get away with as opposed to what's going to be the most effective play in the moment? Well, I think that, again, I'll go back to players being too literal. And I think that, you know, um, obviously, you know, with UCLA, we build out of the back. We're a possession-based team. We use our goalkeeper beyond. Um, she's phenomenal 
with her feet and her distribution quick on point, but she's also not literal. She understands that, yeah, if they're 10 yards off and they're waiting to do it, because obviously they know what we do, then you're going to hit some long balls and you're going to, you're going to take a touch and you're going to bypass lines and you're going to manipulate that. And then as you do that, well, now their press is dropping off and now you're opened up again to play the short ball. And again, it's a manipulation. It's not like, Hey, we're playing the ball in the back. So no matter what, I'm passing the ball in the back. It doesn't work that way, you know, and you're given the tools to think as a, as a, as a player um, and to make those decisions and to understand the, you know, what the game requires at that time. And, um, and, I put it on them to make those decisions. Are you going to make the wrong decisions sometimes? Yes, but understand why. Understand why not to pass the ball short. Understand why to go long, when to go long, and make those decisions. Um, don't be so literal. Don't. Yeah. Well, you wish, know, it, it, go ahead, Omar. I was just going to say, I wish all coaches were like you. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. Oh, good. You're the first person not to call me a bitch. That's fine. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I know. I'm always just. I always. I'm always just really tough when we do like video analysis and stuff. And they're like, "Man, I never want to play for you." I'm like, "Oh my god." I remember once. Once Omar Omar was bringing up uh, video or whatever, and uh, and and Omar was just like, "He's like, he's like, you know, honestly, Saskia, you know, I'm just glad glad none of this tape is me." Because uh, uh, <laughs> I wouldn't want to go go through all that. But but Omar, I think you know one, one of the things I think that's get, becoming really important here that we're all kind of discussing. I think also comes into the coaching language, um, which is I think one of the reasons why honestly a lot of players you know like ourselves. Uh, maybe I'm not going to throw myself into the mix of obviously Suski or Marcus, but I can throw myself into Omar's mix of people that attempted to try to play after college. Um, is that is that it's difficult to Brutal. not work with elite. Uh, goalkeepers a lot of the times because our coaching language we really have to simplify our coaching language and a lot of times we don't recognize that what we're saying is is going over the head and is that something that you've kind of had to struggle with and, and kind of you know develop a, a coaching language for the different levels you know it's a little bit different let's oh say right God. now yeah oh for sure I, I mean I just I'm not too long ago I, I trained a kid and I said something to him and he was like I got it and at the end of the session we did like a debrief and I was like so what did you learn today he's like you know, I completely forgot. And I was just, I was just like, Oh damn. Okay. So is that, is that, is that, is that him or is that the way I'm presenting the information? And is, is he an audible guy? Is he a visual guy? I, he, I just, he didn't understand. So like you said, Mike, I think that those are the, like you need to get those calluses and understand that not everybody understands the position the way that you do. Not everybody has been coached the way that you have. And at the end of the day, you need to, like I always say, the Twitter method, like you need to give it in 140 characters or less. And if you can't, that means you got, I mean, you just got to cut out the fat and you got to make sure that what you're saying has substance and all you need to say is it should be in that 140 characters. So for me, I've had to learn the hard way, but yeah, there are, you know, kids who, even at, at the team that I'm playing at. I mean, shit, I got to say, I'll say it eventually, but where, where the coach, the place I'm coaching out there, they're, they're the guys who are higher level. And so I don't, I don't think I don't need to coach them as much, but like they know their mistakes. So at that point, we already know that's the foundation. We already know that, you know, the mistake, but how do we fix and how do I create sessions that are going to continue to expose that so that we fine tune that? Then there is a kids who are like, well, I don't know what I did. And I'm like, okay, I'll tell you what you did. And now that I told you what you did, now I'll create sessions that'll help you fine tune that. So there's certain things that sometimes you can kind of skip over and gloss over because those kids already have an idea and they're, they're students of the game themselves. So they already understand the position to a certain extent. And then there's kids who 
who, you know, obviously played at Mike's level and they don't really know that they don't really know a lot of stuff about goalkeeping. So they need to be taught certain things. So I think that's, yeah. <laughs> I love it. Omar. I think, I, I think, <laughs> look, bottom line is we all know goalkeepers get better with age and they get better with age because they, they become better students of the game and they start understanding, like I said, they're not so literal like little kids are. And, and you grow by making mistakes. And as coaches, we have to allow them to make those mistakes and then have a discussion with them on, you know, why do you think you made the mistake? What do you think you could have done better? And, you know, that's going to have to repeat itself over and over again. And then eventually, you know, you get out to a session and somebody makes a mistake and you go up to say something you're like, ah, and they're like, look, I know I did. <laughs> like they have the answer to the questions already. And, you know, that's where you want to go with coaching. And so it's got to start off. It starts off remedial and then, you know, it, it you know, as they grow older and as they have more experience and as they make mistakes, they stop making as many mistakes and they start understanding. You know, but, but at a certain point, like Marcus, like, you know, if you're working with your ECNL girls, you know, versus a rec, you know, rec keepers, there's a certain demands or certain expectations that you have. And because of that, you're going to direct the language based on those demands, right? Yeah. I mean, a little bit. Um, I, you know, I'm kind of, I just kind of grunt and <laughs> me goalie. Um, <laughs> I show you. And you know, this, uh, what's, what's really interesting about the girl is I always, I'm never quite sure if they understand because with the boys, you know, you've got 13, 14, 15 year old boys and even the 16 year old boys, they get a lot of testosterone going through their, their body. They don't have no idea what's going on. They are, they want to argue about everything. Mm-hmm. they're like well why would you do that and then what's what's interesting so i normally i coach boys on a monday and then girls on a tuesday but um and with the girls have like high school games and i'll get girls on you know mixed in with the boys or whatever is kind of normally how it works and then sometimes i'll get the boys who will come to both sessions depending on their practice schedule as well but when i'm working with the girls i'm like okay so this is what we're going to do do you guys understand like do you guys get it and they're looking at me like, yeah, I'm like, but yeah. you're not arguing. But you're not arguing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I'll, I totally agree with you. Yeah. And I, I found when I was coaching, you know, boys with club, you know, and I had the girls, the girls are more of like, they're like kind of an open slate and a sponge in a sense. And they're going to listen. They're you know, a little more analytical. And I think that, I think that the boys are like the testosterone's going and they're just like, yeah, but, but I still made the save or yeah, but my dad told me that if I do this and that, or my old coach told me, or, you know, they, they're just, they want to argue about everything. And you kind of bang your head against the wall a little bit. I'm like, all right, we'll just keep doing that. And I'll keep picking the ball out of the back of the net if you keep doing that. And so eventually, maybe you're going to listen. You're going to stop arguing with me. (laughs) Marcus, it's so funny that you said that because like, I'll I'll be honest with you guys. I I had this happen to me earlier in my coaching career when I first started working with women. And by women, I mean, you know, girls Um, is... (laughs) You know, okay. I, I don't want, yeah, you, you know, you know what I mean? Like younger, younger people under the age of 18 um, is that uh, I thought they hated me. I thought they literally hated me because I'd only worked with boys before that. And they were so quiet. I was just thought they were giving me the silent treatment and they were just like, oh, they don't like me. They don't want me here. And I started getting in my head, started second guessing everything I was doing because I was thinking like, these goalkeepers don't respect me. They're not saying a word to me right now. They could care less about my session. 
oh my God, this is the, I, 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 this, I, I, I need to leave. I can't do this. <laughs> can't do this anymore. And then I, I spoke to somebody who'd, who'd worked in, uh, in, in the women's game for, for a good amount of time with the, you know, the, the girls game. And they said, no, you have to understand that everybody's wired differently, whether they're a boy, they're a girl, whatever. Some people just don't react viscerally. They don't give that, you know, that audible energy out. It doesn't mean that they, that they don't care for you, you know, which basically means that I just don't know how to read body language. Um, I don't know where I'm going with this. Other than- <laughs> Mike, Mike, but I think Mike, that, that, like I, I told you guys at uh, Cal State LA, we had a goalkeeper and uh, good, you know, quality goalkeeper, but after probably like, you know, four or five months working with him, he was just like, coach, you know, I, I don't understand why you don't really give me, um, you know, you never really get mad at me. You never really, you know, get upset with me. And, and, and sometimes I, I, you know, I've, I've been coached that way. So I just feel like I know I'm doing certain things wrong, but you always keep like a very mellow tone. Like, can you get mad at me sometimes? Like, can you, you know, get upset at me? And I'm like, I mean, yeah, I'll give you the feedback, but I'm not going to fake something just because I need to, you know, to, you know, fill, fill this assumption of this is what a goalkeeper needs this is how I'm going to be. I'm going to stay true to me and I will try to adjust the best way that I can, but know that that's not my coaching style. So as well as like players want certain things, us as coaches as well, like we have our own coaching style as well. And there, are, I know coaches who get upset and get, you know, super pissed off and they show their emotions and that's okay. I'll do that every once in a while. But like the coach that I, I worked with at Cal State LA, he says, you need to keep that in your back pocket every now and again, because if you're always keep one tone, they're going to get used to that. And then they're going to completely, you know, they're going to, they're going to, uh, uh, I can't even say the word, but they, they're going to block you out. But for me, it's like, I know now that as long as you bring energy to the session and you show them that you care, and then there's going to be times where they're sluggish and lethargic because they had school or whatever. And I did that last year. And the guys that I was training, there was one guy who always saw me in a nice way. He was like, oh my God, deer in the headlights, guys. He couldn't, he couldn't serve a ball. He couldn't catch a ball. And after I was like, I was like, Eric, I how to say his name, but I was like, Eric, Eric. Eric probably listens to the show. Every we'll, just, we'll, we'll call him Eric. <laughs> I just said, I said, I said, look, I said, look, Eric's, dude, hey, Omar's go get some water, chill, secrets, chill for a second. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but that's what I mean, though. It's just like there are certain people who who like certain things done a certain way. And as coaches, if we can uh, you obviously try to adjust to them and, and give them what they need, that's great. But at the same time, for me, at least, I don't, I don't like sacrificing who I am because I just feel uncomfortable because I don't know if I yell too much and they're going to be like, well, what the heck? That's not what I asked for. And I'm like, oh, God, OK, that's, <laughs> this, is, this is awkward. Well, I'm not a yeller either. Um, it's more of a discussion. Um, and you know, there, well, with the goalkeepers I'm working with now, obviously at the level, but it's still like, first of all, they know what they did wrong. And me screaming isn't going to change that, but us having a discussion during break about, all right, let's talk about this, save that save. Let's talk about this goal, whether it was in small sided or whatever, you know, let's break it down and then have the discussion. I yelled once at UCLA practice once, I was so irritated when we were playing like a small side or something. And they, my goalkeepers kept making the same mistake. And I got so far and I yelled, I think the whole team about passed out. They all stopped. The whole team was like, and, and I was like, and, and coaches looked at me. I was like, I can yeah, I yell. They're like, we just never heard you get mad and yell before. And I'm like, cause it's not, it's not who I am, but I was just, to my wits end. And I just like, kind of exploded. It was once. And that's how, that's how much I remember once. Mike, 
what my one one last marcus i'm sorry you guys that's one last story I, I just as quick as i can make it i was training this young girl she's really good and i she she had a rough like start to the day she was very sluggish and it was a one-on-one session usually we do like group and i yelled at her i was like you know i'm coming out here i'm wasting my time putting this session together you're you and your dad are coming out here from an hour drive away you know how disrespectful that is? i was yelling oh at her. no i come back to i come back to watch the film and she did everything to the t perfect i don't know what i was on that morning <laughs> but i just let it loose <laughs> For no maybe, reason. Maybe you were the one having a bad day. <laughs> like, I remember watching it. I was just like, I was like, oh boy, oh boy. I can't even send this to her and like show her as a reference to why I yelled. I can't even do that. I scrapped it. I think it's in the it's, it's in the trash bin. It's deleted on my computer for I gotta empty the trash pretty soon. But yeah. Do it now. Yeah. Do it now. <laughs> Definitely do it now. Definitely get rid of Eric's <laughs> sessions on uh there's a good chance that there's actually a uh there's probably some sort of like libel uh, against you now from Eric, uh, based on what you've uh, a lot of said, these... on, <laughs> said on the I've, air. I've, I've, I've called out a lot of these players, man. I feel really bad, but they, that's all love. <laughs> well, Marcus, the best thing is that one day uh, Omar uh, pulled out the UCLA roster and was just asking Suski, was like, who are you referring to right now? Are you referring to <laughs> 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 that's okay. I, you know, I'm not telling you who I coach for. Like Omar's not. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, I'm like, just get it over with Omar. Yeah, yeah Omar, he did. You, and and that was like, I'm very calculated not bringing up. Well, now I can, whatever. It's like, yeah, you know, I know, you know what I'm talking about, Lauren or something like that. But it's like, yeah, you threw, you threw Eric under the bus there. <laughs> Marcus, any crossfire kids you want to throw under the bus? Right now? <laughs> got about 12. <laughs> I got 12. No, I, I honestly have this question for you, though, because the thing is, is that, you know, obviously you've you've seen it at the highest of levels in regards to all different types of goalkeeper coaches. Right. And and I think one of the things that was difficult for me when when I transitioned from player to coach was understanding that my emotional cadence had to change based on, again, the level I was coaching at and also who I was coaching to. Is that something that was difficult for you kind of when you started out? Um, no. So, well, first off, I am a yeller. Okay. If somebody doesn't do what I say, it's because they didn't hear me. So I yell louder. And then if they still don't do what I say, it's because they still didn't hear me. And they're, so then I swear and yell louder. That's my relation and that's really fast. Um, so I am a yeller, but when you start coaching, right, it's, it definitely changes. And it's one of those things that I would you know, even when I came home from, you know, playing the Premier League, if we weren't playing national team games and I could run up to soccer camp, um, it was one of the things I really enjoyed. I always I always really enjoyed coaching and seeing kids kind of figure out and get it right. Mm-hmm. And seeing the light bulb go off and, you know, or now, you know, I you know, you don't see some of the kids every week, you know, because of whatever. And and all of a sudden you're going, wait a second. I've had you for she's like I got a, a girl. She's a sophomore now. And she's like, I want to play college soccer. And I go, I can tell. And she goes, why? And I go, because you could finally do a push-up. Right? And it's like, it's not a big deal, right? But it is. If you can't do a push-up, like, do you actually even practice? Do you actually go home and go, look, we push all the time. And it's, you know, we've got our goalies who are now hitting the ground and then having to get up. And if Mm -hmm. I can't do a push-up, you don't have to do 100 in a row, but you have to be able to at least do one good push-up. And, you know, when we miss the target when we're shooting, we're doing push-ups. 
because I get my goalies who think they're forwards and they're trying to bend one in the top corner and keep missing the target. Well, I've got a goalie who's supposed to be working. And now I got these idiots who are just trying to score, which is just stupid. And they're missing the target the whole time. So I've got a goalie who just took eight reps and actually only saved the ball twice, which, right. you know, the whole thing is about repetition, right? And how many times can I catch the ball in a session or attempt to catch the ball? How many saves can I make? How many dives can I get? And I think people just goofing off. So anyway, um, so that was, that was a big, and I'm like, well, you can do a push up now. And she's looking at me like what? And I go, well, I know you're doing something extra. Right. She goes, I started to do weights now. And I go, oh, do you have confidence now? She's like, yeah. And I go, awesome. Well, you actually have a chance now because I yeah. know you're the extra work that's required to do it. And it's not just the four days a week training, right? which I think is a lot for some of these kids, you know, but it is what it is. That's the world we live in now with, you know, every, like the teams feel like they have to coach or they have to have more sessions per week because the parents are paying a lot of money. So we have to get our money's worth. Right. Which is just stupid in, in the first place. But, um, you know, these kids feel like they have to go to practice and, um, I don't get it, but anyway, um, it is, uh, it is kind of funny and being able to, you know, the hard part is being able to transition what you're saying for a 13 year old girl to an 18 year old boy, mm -hmm. right. Have that age and everybody is different. Right. And, um, and how you talk to them is different, but I mean, the girls are easy, I think. And, you know, I always tell all my kids, I go, look, my, my, practices are optional. I don't call your coach and tell him you don't come to my practice. Right. That's not my <clears throat> doing stuff. That's fun. This is, I think an optional thing. If you want to come out and get better and have some banter with the other goalies, then this is why we're here. And you know, if you're going to come here and ruin my session, don't come. And it took me a year talking to one of my boys telling him, look, don't come to my session. And eventually I'm like, thank you for coming to my sessions because he's actually pulled his finger out. And now he, he's one of our best goalies and he actually has a chance to do something where before it was just like, he fought me on everything. Just, just so frustrating. I like Amanda goes, Oh, how was practice today? She knew exactly when I came home. Right. I'm like, Oh my gosh. It was like just an absolute nightmare. And, but those are the, <laughs> you know, you you have to deal with and how you can motivate people. And I didn't know, like nothing I said worked, right? And it was really mm -hmm. frustrating. And I had to go down, like, look, don't come to my practice until you want to be here. And now, now he's coming out and the coach is going, oh, did you see, you know, see how I play? I'm like, yeah, dude, I see him in practice every day. Like he's, I'm, he's running sessions now. I'm like, well, you got it. You know, where that would have yeah. never happened before, right? And so everything is, is kind of going, right? Um, you know, I don't know if you think about all these different things and things we haven't talked about. One of the things we were talking about last week with, with the girls and the boys team um, is my goalies are getting bullied by their coaches or their players or different things, right? And super easy on a through ball over the top when, you know, you can see it from the sidelines and you know, goalies are like, do I come? Do I not come? What do I do? And then I've got coaches on the sidelines and parents yelling keeper. I hate oh, that. That's the worst. It is. I know so Saskia, that literally her pet peeve. Like, I yeah. hate biggest, it. Oh. I hate it. Oh. I, I, it's the dumbest thing anybody can do. And I'm like, what you've just done is yell something, somebody, whatever decision they made, whether it's right or wrong, 
Now you're yelling keeper. So your team's stopping, expecting the keeper to come. Maybe the keeper isn't coming. Maybe they made the mistake. Maybe they see something we don't see. I don't know. Right. Maybe they tripped. I don't know. But you can't do that. It's such a pet peeve for me. It's such, it's like, it's the same pet peeve as people calling off sides in the run of play and holding their hands up and, and stop running defense. I'm like, what the hell are you doing? Like just play and leave it up to the referee to call off sides and play through play, play. And if the whistle blows, it blows. But if it doesn't, and all you guys are standing there with a hand up and somebody goes through and scores, well, just play, you know, it's the same thing. I, it's like pet peeve, huge pet peeve. You know, yeah. Omar, 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 I think, you know, one thing that I think I remember we just discussed this in regards to the fact that remember when we had Tim Dittmer on uh, a while back and he talked about, you know, how can you create a thinking goalkeeper? Right. And like, what are the recipe? What's the recipe that you want to get to make a thinking goalkeeper? Um, if you are training goalkeepers to listen to the sidelines and hear direction, you're not going to create a thinking goalkeeper. Right. Yeah, I mean that, and I think that's where you know the coach that I worked for, Cal State, like Chris, he was just like Omar. If you yell at, at the goalkeepers and then you stop yelling, they're not going to know what to do. So it, it feeds into what you're saying, but also too, what Tim was saying is that when he runs his sessions, he likes to have it where instead of it just being one coach and four goalkeepers, he likes to think of it as five goalkeeper coaches. So he gives them all the ability to speak to one another and to to critique one another and, and give each other the voices. So I think now as well when you get that voice in training you feel confident knowing that what you're saying is actually like based off educational like thought versus something that you're hearing from someone and then trying to regurgitate and have your own voice in there so I think that's when you have it you you started in training you build the foundations of the confidence of their own voice and then I think in the game they're not going to have to worry about listening to anybody else because they feel so confident and assured that what they've been saying in training because they've been given that platform is is just and it is you know it, it amounts to something yeah. And, you know, and Marcus, I mean, obviously, you know, what, what Omar's referring to is not, you know, it, it's about symbiotic relationship of the session that everybody is part of the session. Like when you were talking about the kids, you know, that think that they're there to, to score worldies, that's not being part of the session. That's you're there for your own. You're talking about your own self-service there and you're not thinking about the good of the session. So how important is it like for you and your sessions to make sure that everyone's communicating and everyone's on that same wavelength? So, you know, th that they're all going to get better that way. Well, one thing we, when we point out mistakes and, you know, it was hard in the beginning when you're like, you're, you're singling out at one of your, you know, 14 year old girls and they're like, Oh my gosh, like, why are you telling me I made a mistake? But, and the reason why you're telling everybody in the group is because well, one, everyone can learn from that. Yeah. So, Talk about how goalies get better with age. Well, they get better because they also make mistakes. Mm -hmm. And then you learn from those mistakes. Well, if you can learn from other people's mistakes, you can be a better goalie a lot quicker. So us talking about why things have happened, why we, why, why we do those things. And, you know, I had a girl who's, you know, five foot, nothing, maybe, maybe even less than that. And, you know, and she wants to play really high and I'm like, Hmm. So I start shooting and I keep scoring on her and I go, well, why don't you stay back on one and see what happens? Mm -hmm. and, and she saves it. And I go, hmm. And then she did it again. And, and now, like, the, your, your target for your goal is so much smaller because now she's in a good position. It's harder to score. So you end up trying to hit one in the corner. And then she dives. She goes past the post. And I'm like, hmm. So wait a second. So the two you're back, one you saved. The other one you didn't save. But I missed the target because you made me shoot wide. Mm -hmm. And you, I go, and the other one went in two yards inside the post. Your head. 
because you're you want to come out and I go so what's better exactly and you know and the other girls are like oh okay and I go and then you have to go to the other girl well this doesn't pertain to you because you're six foot two Right. right so it's different right but everybody is different and there's a different way to do it but being able to learn from those mistakes is massive for for these kids and one they know then that you know hey making a mistake isn't the end of the world right we're not trying to get rid of them we're trying to make everybody better right yeah. and as a collective get better yeah no no ab- ab- absolutely by the way uh marcus real quickly in the in the comment section right here uh stan anderson who uh, runs camp shutout uh in wisconsin says uh i met marcus years slash decades ago in illinois when the rapids played the stingers in an open cup game I was not coaching, but we met before the game in a pub class, dude, small goalkeeper world. So, yeah. And if, uh, yeah. And uh, so I just wanted to share that because uh, Stan's stands the man, man. He's got a, he's got, he's got a good, a uh, good heart and he's a, uh, one of the good guys in the goalkeeping union. So. Oh, well, it's awesome. We had uh, um, going through all those old boxes. I found some, some really funny memorabilia. I got a, a Marcelo Balboa a figurine, which is pretty awesome. He's got his goatee and his long hair. <laughs> and then we have, we have a poster where we went to the, uh, the wave park. And so we're all sitting in a, uh, you know, I'm like, I'm sitting in one of the inner tubes and when like our whole team's in there. And uh, I sent that, I saw that and I sent that to Marcelo as well. And he goes, yeah, could you see, I didn't want to be there. I'm standing on the side. And I'm like, dude, we got free sunglasses. I was a hundred percent in. I'm like, what do I have to do for free sunglasses? This is great. Um, but it's so funny when you look at all that stuff now, the, the back in the nineties, that's scary. <laughs> oh man. We've had, we've had, we've had these, we've had these discussions. I mean, and I love the fact that you brought up the free sunglasses type of thing. Cause you know, Saskia always used to bring up the fact that back in the day, you know, the per diem, you're like, sweet, I'm keeping this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just happy to get a t-shirt. <laughs> Things have things have changed. Uh, <laughs> things have changed uh, a, a little bit uh, as Omar sits down for his press conference uh, right here to announce his official. Uh, uh, giant oh my god! Well, you know when he's going to announce it because next time we get on, it's it's going to be a giant backdrop of it. <laughs> like, I don't understand. One day, one day. I don't understand what the delay is. Oh man, you know what? I'm I'm not I'm not gonna get I'm not gonna get into it. Um, by the way, you know it's it's funny, Marcus, that you're, you're talking about the '90s and everything like that. And and Marcel, was Marcelo at that training session, Suskia, when you made the the famous Landon Donovan save, the one? Uh, you mean the one the when one? I tried to get out of the way and he hit me with it? Um, yeah. <laughs> um, was he? He might have been. He might have been. Oh my gosh! I know. Yeah, Mar- I know. Ernie Stewart was there. Um, I'm trying to remember. Yeah, it was a while ago. <laughs> I wish that was on. I wish that was on tape. Really it was, wish it was. It was a great save. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. It was a great save. I meant to do it. Marcus, do you have any any of those at national team camp? <laughs> um, I have lots of stuff that just hits me in the face. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, Brad and them are like, "Great save!" I'm like, I was trying to dive out of the way. <laughs> oh man um well, well marcus as we start wrapping up here and first first off thanks thanks for taking all the time man i know you're really busy with all the outside stuff that you're doing outside of the the game as well too um do you want to share any of that stuff for, for, for our audience by the way because i think there's might, some people that might be kind of interested in, in what you, what you got going on in that world um 
Well, sure. Um, this is my bar that I've opened up. I was wondering what was going on behind you. So this nice. is, it's the Cleelum back nine. So it's an indoor golf bar. And so I'm just building oh. it out. So we have, I'll walk you around real quick. Oh, this is sick. Yeah. So I've got a, uh, bout golf, uh, 17 foot simulator. And, uh, we were just trying to figure out what we we're going to do with the space. And, uh, um when COVID happened the, my uh, buddy who was running the a bar in here he was running a tasting room and so it was you know a full-on bar and you know COVID happened and he shut down and we're like oh you know what we could do is we could just do it like one of those indoor golf things and do memberships so we have like 18 members now we just kind of opened um and uh we're charging like 250 a month for membership and you can come in hang out you there's no food or drink um because that's a pain in the butt and i don't want to have to be here all the time so uh you just bring your own food and drinks in and uh come hang out and you know people use it as their as a bar and they'll bring their friends in and you know people come in and in town and use it as a uh you know for work they'll come in they'll bring clients in different things like that so it's byo so it's byob yeah well, that saves you. That saves you a liquor license. That's for sure. Yeah. So, which, you know, <laughs> as soon as you, well, as soon as you have a liquor license, which, um, you know, is one part, the, uh, they're going to shut you down because of COVID, right? Well, right. You know, it's all private. We've got a uh, key card access to the back door, because um, my friends are running a business in the front, um, base camp outfitters, and um, and so as we come in the back, you know, your key card works all the time and we have online scheduling where you know we can social distance you could bring your group of friends in and you know it was it was pretty safe way to to go about this and that's um, cool that's awesome i just built some i built tables today i don't know if you can see those nice yeah so um we've got the so i burned our logo into the tables aren't you handy man yeah. god man Everybody's so talented. Everybody is so freaking. <laughs> yeah. I can't talented. even figure out how to get this mic working. I don't know. What that I know. Is. I know. Yeah. I'm coming over to Suskis tomorrow. <laughs> I'm gonna go going over to Suskis tomorrow to, to to help her out with uh with with the technology element. Um. <laughs> well, well, well. Awesome, guys. Remember, uh, contact at inside the 18 mediacom That's the number 18 mediacom If you have a guest suggestion or a topic suggestion at Goalkeeper Podcast on all social media platforms. If you want to reach out, out to Omar Zini, you can reach out to him uh, at Omar at, at, no, I'm not going to say the name of the team. Uh, <laughs> I was about to say, I'm like, <gasps> Pro GK Academy <laughs> underscore Suskia Weber at Suskia underscore Weber, myself at Michael Majid. Uh, Marcus, what's oh, the best social media match. for you? Yeah, I do have that. Oh, sick. <laughs> yeah, that's dope. A nice. wow. couple, couple of cool things I have. I don't have it's a lot. Cool. Um, cool. And then I have, so I was in here and I've, I've got this <laughs> man of the match champagne for Manchester United. And somebody came in and they saw this, which is a commemorative beer from the wedding, the Royal wedding. Wow. Look at that. When I was playing in Reading and they were blown away by that. And I'm like, did you not see the man of the match from, <laughs> did you meet them? And I go, yeah, we met mm -hmm. them at the pub. They were down there and they're like, no way. That was, I go, did you see the man of the match thing? That's cool. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, so yeah, there's a, 
just the tiny, tiny little things. That's the only alcohol we have in the bar. Yeah. <laughs> if the well, liquor board is answering or asking. Well, that that that's awesome, man. And I think yeah. at at Hahnemann one is the is the best social media for you, right? Yeah, uh, I'm trying to figure out how to get it back into my Twitter account. I don't know what happened to that, but Hanneman one is at um, uh, on Instagram. Awesome. Well, awesome, guys. Uh, Marcus, honestly, thanks for taking all the time. That's all the time on Inside the 18, and we are out. Later, guys. Yeah.